11 o'clock comics episode 220 <laughs> Sounds like you were squeezing something before that. <laughs> you choking something, David? No, never. Not one of recording. Why would you have to with that beautiful goddess of a wife you have? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, yeah, you're getting it all. <laughs> then we were talking about this about you last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see? Back on, yeah, the grass back is on, always greener, right, buddy? Back on the damn treadmill. Oh, oh. This is great, baby. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. What's up? Oh, it's just so fucking hot. Oh, I can think it was great. What did you guys talk about after that? Are you all congested? We weren't here for the the worst of it because we were driving in, but uh, yeah, Chicago's like 104 today. Jesus, that's hot. It's fucking <clears throat> hot. Mixed with the you know humidity from the, the lakes. Sox. Oh boy. Huh? I said, well, you know what else is hot? The white socks. Oh, no. <laughs> they are. They look good. Wait, did you say I oh, know because we're having audio issues? You are. <laughs> I can't hear you. That's the thing. Uh, are you, you serious? Uh, yeah. you, it can't be true. Can't be Nothing. true. I'm. I, well, you know what? It must be something because my meter's peaking. I mean, it's it's in the it's approaching the red. So I don't know why you can't hear me. David, is you having are is you is you having audio issues with me? I I hear you fine. I did hear Jason cut out a little bit. What he was talking about the White Sox. Yeah, this is this is uh, very perturbing. It's Vince. It's Vince's sports filter. <laughs> you can get those. <laughs> Who makes them? It only says poo holes. Because <laughs> it's like, oh no, why'd you have to say that name? I saw I saw my boy all weekend. As a matter of fact. That We're man, all, yeah, yeah. In Where'd Cleveland, you, you went to baseball games. Yeah, in Cleveland. Did you get a steamer? <laughs> Jesus, you are so fucking wrong. <laughs> Cleveland steamer. He's a sofa king. He's a sofa king. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm not happy. Oh, well, we'll pick you up. We will elevate you because this, everybody's eleven o'clock comics episode two twenty, and I'm Vince B. Yes, you are. And I'm Chris Trinisman. Yeah, you are. I'm David Price. Indeed. And I'm Surrey Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> You're Surrey. You're not Surrey. Surly Cruz. <laughs> You're not Surly Cruz. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And guess what? This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. I'm prepared this week. Were you... Can get get this all fifty five of the DC number zero issues for the very special discounted rate of fifty percent off. You would have paid one hundred and seventy four dollars and forty five cents. Craziness! You can get them for eighty seven dollars and twenty three cents. That's all of the zero issues. That's a lot of comics. Fifty five, like I said, get them all half off. You can also get 
Fashion Beast number one from Avatar, written by that dude Alan Moore, with art by Facundo Persio. I think that's how you say it. Uh, supposedly some kind of unearthed screenplay that Alan didn't know he had, and they found it, and they're doing it, and <laughs> and that that's Avatar for you. So it's written by Alan Moore. I think Anthony Johnson has Alan something to do with it, too. Alan, send us anything. Yeah. Anything. Well, you, yeah. You, you know why he wrote Neonomicon, right? Because yeah, he, he, he had tax problems, a huge yeah. tax debt, so he kicked out. That must be nice. I'm going to kick out a story. problems and give us a decent story. That's great. That's all right. Decent. Yep. Ma, ma, ma. I'm just saying. You can also get this Grant Morrison, Derek Robertson joint coming out from Image called Happy, the first issue. It's a miniseries. There will be four of them. You can get the first issue for 50% off. It's only $1.49. And last but not least, the Meta Baron's Ultimate Collected Edition by Alejandro Jodorowsky and Juan Jimenez. It's a big book. It would have cost you. Hmm? Is that the... Is that the- are they reprinting the big slipcase one? Uh, this is just what's the slipcase one called? This is called the Ultimate Collector's Edition. Yeah, well, that's that's what it was, and it was yeah. it was basically like an absolute edition. How much was it? Because the regular one one twenty five. Oh think. no no, this is fifty nine ninety five. Oh, uh, I know. Probably okay. paperback. You remember whenever um whenever the the Incall came out mm-hmm. and in the the big deluxe super duper version yeah. and then they came out with a with a, a regular comic book size version um, oh that's what must be this is yeah that's uh, probably what that is but it'll it's not going to cost you sixty dollars because you're getting it at 45 percent off which is a damn good discount for humanoids books let me tell you you're getting it for 32 dollars and 97 cents at discount comic book service dcbservice.com and if you're a first-time customer you can enter the following code in the lubricated slot david what's the code eoc8 eoc8 will get you an extra eight percent off it's mind-boggling. DCBService.com. Go there. Don't be square. No. Comb your hair. Wash your underwear. <laughs> All right. What else we got? <laughs> we got drinkage. Oh, we got drinkage. Um, David, why don't you kick us off this week? Uh, it is hot as balls, so I think mm. I'm going to have a nice ice-cold Yingling traditional lager. Look at you. Wonder Twin Powers. Holy crap. <laughs> we That's Jason's back. That's a, <laughs> our, I'm so bummed because we uh, we just got back from Cleveland, which I will I'll talk about a little bit more. Steamer, little late. Stop reusing Vince's jokes. <laughs> um, but, it's always uh, funny yeah, when I say enough. They it had is. that's true. Uh, they had Yingling in uh, in in Ohio, and we were going to bring some back, and totally spaced it off and ah. forgot so so no yingling for us but uh vince how about you as i said wonder twin powers yingling. Oh, okay, okay okay so that's yep. what activate okay. so it is a uh a yingling night for both of you guys uh mr wood can we get a three don't call us triathlon because i'm up in this yingling too bitches. nice wow. oh this almost never happens <laughs> Tingly. Kind of interesting. It's like there's okay. a ghost in the room because my I got the the pimples all over my arm. My hair standing up. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the chain. Um, like I said, uh, we were in in Cleveland. Marta and I every 
every year, uh, almost always on uh, 4th of July, go to a different baseball city and, and check out a different stadium. And, and it's something that we started doing six years ago. So this was the sixth stadium that, that we'd gone to. And uh, it, was, uh, it was Cleveland's turn this year. And uh, Cleveland was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And one of the reasons that we like Cleveland so much is that they are home of one of our favorite breweries. And it's one that has come up on the show numerous times for uh, Drink Roll Call, and that is the Great Lakes Brewing Company. And uh, and tonight uh, I brought home some of their Lake Erie Monster, which... Yeah, it's a really sweet uh, looking label, but it is their uh, handcrafted Imperial India Pale Ale, and it is uh, uh, it lives up to the to the name. It is a monster of an IPA. It weighs in at a at a pretty robust nine point one percent alcohol, Ooh. and is a really tasty IPA. Anytime that you see that Imperial in front of like a Imperial Stout or an Imperial IPA, it means that it's going to be, you know, a little bit more robust, uh, you know, on the uh definitely on the the heavier side of uh, of what a, a normal stout or a normal uh porter or normal IPA is going to be. So, yeah, everything at Great Lakes is is really good. I was uh it's always fun to go to a brewery and try things that they don't mass produce and you know, it's uh uh it's kind of almost like going to a comic book convention is that you will find things that you don't find at at your comic shop or online there's always little special goodies that are kind of exclusive to uh to that venue and i uh, got to try some nice uh some nice brewery only or brewery exclusive beers and had uh, had some good food but uh, if you're ever in cleveland go to the great lakes brewing company a uh, really good time cool hmm? i have a thank you i think Me david too. does too right uh-huh. yeah Bye. yeah I would like to thank the bodacious Bobgar Ornelas, a.k.a. Oh, oh. Slurmo, because he has sent me a copy of Lullabies from Hell, the uh, Hideshi Hino uh, manga from Dark Horse. And I don't think he knew this before he sent it to me, but there's a story in here called Zoroku's Strange Disease, and it's disgusting. Uh, and I actually have a vinyl of the late stages of this dude's disease it's really cool and now i have the story from which the uh figure was taken so thank you bob gar he's, he's good the, people he is good people he's, he just he just sent me the damn thing or nelas uh, i want to thank uh the fabulous o'brien brothers they uh they were nice enough to send me a copy of um the graphic novel maps and oh, this was, uh, this was uh, funded in part by a grant from the North Carolina Arts Council, a state agency through the Pitts County Arts Council at Emergy. And this is, I, I started reading it and I was trying to get as much of, I, much of it done as I could before we started tonight. But uh, I just, this is, is a really unique, interesting story uh it's it's uh it's called maps the trouble with lions uh there's um 
transporting and time travel and and jungles and yeah and it's just and it's i i was immediately taken with the little conversation between uh between mom and uh and and elwood and it's just it it really looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and and the art is is great it has a real neat uh, indie feel to it. I and and it's in color. I mean, the color looks like yeah. it, it just it would have taken. I I can just imagine this would have been neat in black and white, but the color just really makes it pop. And it it looks like it's it, it's it's all ages. Mind is numbered forty four out of uh, out of one hundred according to the back cover. It's personalized on the last page. I thank them for that. It's just it's it's really neat. So I do want to thank them for taking the time to uh, send it out to me. I can't wait to finish it. Me too, because yes, I forgot to. Yeah. yeah, if I got it too, I got forty-five. Sweet. Yeah, I love the drawing on the uh, um, dedicated to the memory, the dedication page. I yes. love that drawing. Love it. I love the black. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like it's dirty. It's neat. I. I and is, it's yeah. It's it's great. Is there a um an URL on here that we can direct people to, so they can go uh, well, get there one is, for the there? There's um. I want to say uh, fourstrips.com or is it strips four? I will I will get the the link because it's in their signature on the forum. But you know so, where you can find it, right? Forum doublepinboltonspodcast dot com or eleven right. o'clock comics dot com. That's our that's our crib. That's where we hang. That's we are right. We're we're there. So you should be too, more or less. Where you can find out how to get this, join in some <laughs> comic conversation, and uh, if you're in the mood, you can look at some dirty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, you want to talk about the league or what? Y'all read no, it? Absolutely no. not. Hey now, you mean like the major leagues? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. There's a, I no. love that movie. Uh, and I was just I was just in Cleveland. We're talking about Cleveland. No, I'm joking. Let's talk about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Century. Great movie. Two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Chris, have you read it? Yes. All right. I'm gonna guess for the, for the first time. It's uh, probably need to read it probably five or six more times. But. <laughs> Especially the backstory. The uh, oh yeah, I haven't gotten the the. I have not read much of the of the text piece. Oh so. okay. Um, I'm gonna I've, get. I limited amount of time, my man. Yeah, but see the the bad part is, and yeah, and we'll get to it later. When uh, Mina is in the uh, the uh, Center for Psychiatric um, Well-Being, uh-huh. yep. look that poster that she has on her wall with the um, all the different characters, the two doll-like characters on everything. The poster depicts all the events and the characters that's happening in the backstory. Of course. It's, ah. it's crazy. It's craziness. It does, yeah. But uh, I'm guessing David didn't read it. Mm-hmm. I have not. Read any League of Extraordinaries? You need I to know. be smashed. I hey, it won't be the only reason why, but okay. You would love My it too. Favorite, favorite comic, David. My favorite. I comic. just, it's just, it's one of those things what where it's, was? it's, it's, uh, that'd be the other book in his trunk. It's Chris's goat. It's. uh it's in, in in my 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 desert island discs. That's uh, league league is the first one going into the trunk. And yeah, I mean, New Frontier, amazing. It's definitely it's definitely in the team picture. But league is the one that I think has the most um, most 
rereadability, and it's the one that that kind of unlocks doors into a million different places. I mean, I mean we we all have things that we we know about we just haven't gotten to yet and that really is that that's league for me i mean of everything else that that i want to read or or that is on my bucket list league is definitely on there it's just i know that i'm going to it's not something i'm going to be able to read for 15 minutes while i'm waiting for renee to get ready uh-huh. or do something else i want to be able to that's just true. like when i reread planetary and things like that from time to time yeah. i just i want to make sure i have the time for it well i mean the thing the thing about league and why it turns into such a rabbit hole is that it's it's alan moore basically writing about this this creating this world where all of these literary characters and figures exist and so to really get the full understanding of of league you kind of need to know who these characters are and and not just the 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 main ones not just you know Mina Hartness and and Alan Quartermain, but you know the a lot of the secondary characters are really important. And there's and tertiary there's, and <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and then it and then it just gets into like you know ridiculous little cameos where you know it's like yeah, it's, uh, yeah I mean because the, the cameos drive me crazy. Oh, O'Neill drops so many fucking Easter eggs. I know, and I stuff. try and find them all. Uh, for example, did you know they're all Easter eggs? They're they're all Easter. There's I don't think that there's one line that's put into the series that isn't really <laughs> intentional or referential. O'Neill's, uh, in my opinion, his signature character is Nemesis the Warlock. There yeah. is an image of Nemesis in every issue. <laughs> It's, a, it's it's on a guy's t-shirt in one in another one it's a statue in the background yeah nemesis Absolutely. is in a, is That's in all of them but um okay so let's do 2009 we'll set up the series for those of you who have not been playing along okay uh in 1910 this is century 1910 the first of the trilogy uh at uh top shelf and chris and i were were talking uh in our first run through this episode because the audio problems bit us on the ass again and chris said and i gotta agree with him that you pretty much need to read black dossier before you jump into the century books mm-hmm. right that's what you said well, yeah black dossier it sets up all of the important parts of it it, it basically sets up why the characters do what they do in in the in the last three volumes, and you can't you can't really understand why Alan Quartermain is still in the series unless you read Black Dossier. Yeah, and it, it um, makes a, a, lo- a lot more sense of Roland uh, Orlando. Uh, yeah, yep. you know, because uh, he she just kind of pops up in 1910. You're like, okay, um, uh-huh. yeah, uh, but I mean, if you didn't read Black Dossier. Uh, so 1910, uh, the, the gist of it is, and this is the, uh, thread which ties all three books together. Uh, it comes on strong in the first one. We get a bit of an interlude in the second book, but then more picks up the, the thread again in the third. Um, you have a black mu- magician named Oliver Haddo, which is a not so thinly veiled character of Aleister Crowley. And uh, through his invisible college, I see. 
I listened. I'm a fan of the man for a long time. I listen to. I read a lot about him. I listen to a lot of podcasts about him, and I always said Crowley. Yeah. Uh, but from what I'm getting, it's uh, proper uh, occult etiquette to say Crowley. So I will oh, okay. do it, I guess. I don't know. I I, I butcher everything uh, pronunciation-wise. So, I mean, why not? Um, but uh, he is the, the uh, head of a uh, invisible college called the Ordo Templi Terra. And uh, his plan is to create a moon child, an antichrist, to usher in a strange and terrible new eon. Um, in the first book... We have a paranormal detective named Thomas Karnacki who learns of Haddo's plans during a preternational dream, which turned out to be not a vision of the past. This is really cool and typical Alan Moore, but a vision of the future, which results in Karnacki contributing to the diabolical event he and the League sought to suspend in the first place. He gives... Uh, sorry, uh, Haddo the idea of a certain very important part of the ritual that was not there before and Haddo's like yeah I think we should follow that up you know so <laughs> if it wasn't for Karnacki the the whole uh, Moonchild uh, ex experiment wouldn't have gotten off the ground at least not as quickly as it as it did um, and the, the, the problem I had a problem with the first book and it wasn't until I realized what Moore was doing with it being a musical it's all all three of them not so much the second which you would think the second would be yeah. more musical than the than the ones that yeah. that uh flank it but yeah. the whole it's, thing it's, is a musical it's well it's three penny opera yeah yeah and i would love to see it performed it'd be really cool it would but be cool. as a big devotee of mr crowley uh I, I took issue with the way he was represented in in the story um, because uh, Moore paints him, or Haddo, as a uh, uh, baby-killing, evil, black, uh, necromancer-type character who wants nothing more than to uh, gestate this infernal character that's going to bring about the apocalypse. And that was not Aleister Crowley. Um, yeah. And then... But when you pull back and, and take a little breath, because, you know, we're quite finicky about our Crowley, I, I realized that Moore was not inserting the true character of Crowley into the book. He was inserting... The, fic the fictional representation yeah, the, the, of the character, the because that's, that's what League is. That's right. the world. The, the public perception of Crowley. The, the urban legends, the untruths, the fallacies, the fictionalized accounts, all of that comprised like the perception of the man and they were very far from the truth yeah the man was not evil he was not intent on world destruction um in fact love is the law right uh so that was my issue but then when it hit me what more was doing as is often the case with more stuff i i perceive it in one direction and then he so deftly pushes me in another and i finally get it because uh and that's one thing chris alluded to you can't just we all know this anyone who's read alan moore knows you're not gonna just jump on the train and get rolling uh you know right out of the station you need to invest the time in his in his work yeah um and it's 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 not readily available anymore, but if you can ever track down the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, Absolute Edition, 
yeah, for the volume one and volume two, they're they're uh, they have script books. They're um, nice. There's two. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, no, I have only, the singles. The um, yeah, they're awesome. Let me let me grab one. Is that you basically get two hardcovers in in the absolutes? You get the uh, the comics done in the beautiful uh, oversized absolute size, and then you get a script book which has um, it breaks right. down it breaks down basically everything. And oh, they're annotated. Um, is, yeah, they're, is, is is this more? Oh, it's not um, a script book. It, it, it's the it's the annotations, which oh, is probably cool. more important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I'm not a big script fan. Uh, like we, we've seen Grant Morrison scripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to read that. I, I just you know just cut out the, all the direction to the artist and let me in on the the backdoor dealings and the the yeah. the, the illusions and the you know the symbolism. I want to know that. I but, yeah, uh, that, that that's what this this is all of. Uh, um, these are Alan Moore's annotations and so this gives you all of the little easter eggs and breaks down i mean literally panel by panel annotations nice it's, i, I yeah, could dig that yeah yeah it's 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 you know page eight panel seven um and it's notes on it's literally every panel of the of the book is is annotated cool which is uh, what is sweet so in in nineteenth in century nineteen sixty nine, Haddo, who we learn is a serial possessor, uh, started off as well uh, the end of the chain that we're introduced to in nineteen ten. He's Oliver Haddo, who then uh, tricks uh, a friend of his, Cosmo Galleon, which is uh, an analog for Carl Germer, who took over the OTO after Crowley's death in forty seven. Uh, he tricks him into, uh, a consciousness transference. So the, the body of. Hey, when that happens. I know. <laughs> the, the Haddo's body dies, but it's not with Haddo's consciousness in it. It's with Galleon's consciousness in it. So, uh, Haddo assumes the guise of Mr. Galleon, um, and then eventually changes his name to Charles Felton. Who plans to transfer his consciousness yet again into the body of a man named Turner, which is a really obvious analog for Mick Jagger. And uh, he is the lead singer of a band called... Does he have moves? He's got moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got yeah, moves. It's, but it's, uh, it's based on a character that Mick Jagger played in what movie? And Performance. Time Cop? Is that... <laughs> is that what, what i think it was events? i think it was performance yeah yeah it's um because it's 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 named but after David that character yeah uh so so he's the singer of this band called the the purple orchestra who are currently in need of a guitarist after theirs a man named basil thomas aka brian jones drowns under mysterious free jack <laughs> he drowns under mysterious circumstances. He's killed as part of the ritual process. And, they love ritual. Uh, so, in the this this is the 1969 is the interlude. It's not so much about the Moonchild as it is about Haddo and and his uh, 
underhanded uh, body transference dealings and stuff. And it, it, yeah, it kind of it, it's it's also it's also about the evolving relationships of this version of the league. You know, right. The, yeah. the, the league changes. Uh, it, it's it's the extraordinary gentlemen of that of that era you know whenever it takes place and you know that that first group and it talks about the first group where it was in nemo and and quartermain and the invisible man and 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 hyde and you know jekyll and hyde right um it's kind of the evolution of that group and so now you have you know orlando and and mina and and alan still it's that yeah, 1969 was amazing because it's all the stuff about Haddo, but it's really the evolution of their relationship and how that they can't hold the center and right. it, it unravels and in a large part because of that it allows it allows Haddo to to continue his his plan because they're I mean they're they're kind of a mess as a, as as a, yeah. as a as a super group as a as a as a team of you know quote unquote extraordinary people they're a fucking mess <laughs> but and it, and it, it's very cool because while the previous incarnation of the league are not present they do appear in spirit in this book yes oh, um, they're all over the place. Um, Nemo there are things that happen to Nemo. And we are introduced to her daughter, which which takes a who takes up the role of uh, the what captain. What about his dad, Marlin? <laughs> uh, the the uh, Mister Hyde appears in it in in uh, the the uh, closing sequence, and it's really cool. You have to know what happens in the closing sequence to understand what happens yeah. in sixty nine uh, or two thousand nine. One of the cool things that that, that keeps happening is that. Uh, the second volume of League, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was uh, War of the Worlds. It was it was basically them fighting the Martians and the the huge metal Martian ships. At one point, kind of get turned into a park, yeah. and then and then you see that over the years, from like the 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 nineteen ten and then the sixties, and then in two thousand nine, it's like it just ends up in this utter state of disrepair but they're still the giant the giant martian spaceships are still in london and i believe that that is moore's commentary on the uh decay of literature over over the uh the decades yeah, because, so. because you have this gleaming Martian war machine early on, and when when sixty nine rolls around, it starts to crumble and it's de- rusting and it's decaying. And then when you get to two thousand and nine, I mean, they're barely even there. Yeah. So so yeah. so that wonder, the wonder of the pulps and the the golden age of science fiction, is slowly erodes over over the 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 uh, what is it? Um, nineteen ten to two thousand and nine. Do the math mm-hmm. over over all these years. But, uh, so the, the last scene in, uh, um, 69 is very important because you have Haddo trying to pierce the body of, um, Turner and certain things happen on the astral plane that do not allow this transference to take place. And Mina's totally out of it. I mean, she's tripping balls on this, this, <laughs> no, she is on, on this pill that she took and, uh, she's hallucinating and, and seeing all these, very disturbing characters and colors and everything and uh 
Shadow's trying to get in into into Turner. It doesn't work out. And he's like, well, you know what? I won't take him. I'll take you. So he, he tries to leap into Mina. Meanwhile, there was a occult a teacher of the occult there that Mina ran into at this gathering, and his name was Tom Riddle. <laughs> now, <laughs> yes, and uh, so we all know who he turns into. So meanwhile, Haddo can't he get in. Shall not be named. Mina had a necklace that was. Uh, Does he ever th- say his name is Tom Riddle? But he, he actually- says, "My name is Tom." Uh, blah blah blah, a mystery. Blah blah blah, a conundrum. Yeah. So he says it, but I mean, he, he doesn't really. Riddle, but it's, yeah, yeah, come on. He doesn't. He doesn't for for obvious reasons. Doesn't say that his name right. is Tom Riddle. But Mina's wearing the protective uh, sigil of Prospero around her neck, so Haddo can't uh, work around that. So he jumps into Tom Riddle, aka Voldemort. And, and so and, now you know why why Tom Riddle was evil. Yes, he's actually possessed by by. Haddo. And, and now you also know Brilliant. if you if you do the little hop, skip, and a jump. Now you also know who the Antichrist is. By the way, only Alan Moore could see fit to take credit for for fucking Harry Potter. I know, and <laughs> uh, so, but I mean that I mean that that is that is so League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Those is, is that each era that that the book takes place is he's pulling on its most popular literary characters. And if you're going to, and if you're going to bring this up into current day, you, you can't, you can't look at the literary landscape and leave Harry Potter out of it. Right. It's it's true. Uh, And when we do run into Harry, they never, they never mention him by name, but the design is brilliant. Uh, it, he's a, a, a bald adolescent who is prone to sudden eruptions of eyeballs all over his body, as if to say there are a million eyes on yeah. this character. Yeah, and Tom Riddle is not the Antichrist, by the way. No, Harry Potter is, yeah. Harry Potter is the Antichrist, yeah. <laughs> and he, which is... It's and awesome. and ho- Hogwarts is in total disarray. Dead yeah. bodies all over the place. Uh, and we'll leave it at that for, for 2009. I don't think we need to get too into it because, uh, let's be honest, a lot of people haven't read it. But yeah. we spoiled it, so what the frig. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but- I mean, there's, there's, not a whole, <laughs> there's not a whole hell of a lot left to spoil. I mean, there's um, um, Harry... Um, we, let's fuck it. Let's spoil it. Harry, <laughs> Harry um, kills... Uh, Alan yes. Quartermain with, with his, his penis. With his dick. And I was just like, <laughs> wow. Okay. He kills and, him with his dick. And what, and Vince, <laughs> as I'm reading this, what am I thinking as I'm watching Harry shoot lightning bolts out of his dick and kill Alan? You what am I thinking? Vince loves this scene. Vince is going to love this. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. That's and you true. know what? Look at the, look at the stream that's coming out of his dick as he's killing him. It's the lightning bolt from his forehead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. I don't know what Alan Moore is trying to fucking say at that point, but <laughs> I'm just like, seriously? Really? And he's uh, uncut, by the way. He's what? He's uncut. Harry's nice. natural. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. It's fucking creepy, man. Uh, but, it is. And then so, we have an arrival of someone at the end who saves so, the day. Whenever... I will go back and think about, you know, ultimately the most powerful person in the entire By league far. universe. Yeah. I mean, 
that this person came in with a can of fucking whoop ass and was kicking ass and taking names. It was it was hardcore. She, she's she's the Omega. The yeah. Alpha and the, the Omega, yeah. The, the most powerful person, bar none, that was across all of the books. I mean, just just was a Protector of children. She who wields the umbrella. It's Mary Poppins. Fucking Mary uh-huh. Poppins. Yeah. Was kicking ass. It was it's, awesome. It's pretty damn brilliant. But <laughs> I, I like the story in, in the uh, third chapter, but I think the thing I appreciated the most about it is the mature, maturization of the relationship between Mina and Orlando. I mean, they hated each other going into it in 1910. Yeah. And, uh, she, she didn't understand. Well, I can't say, I can't use that pro. Mina didn't understand Orlando and vice versa and the whole gender switching thing. And Mina was trying to come to terms with her longevity. And, and that really comes to a head in 69. I mean, Mina tries to be hip and with it and cool and it, she just fails. And uh, she, instead of being who she is, she wanted to mirror the decades in which she lived instead of just existing, you know? And, and so, well, I mean, the, the entire, the entire series from volume one all the way through 2009, it's Mina's story. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, she is, she's the constant. She is, she's the rock. She's the, uh, um, the leader of the league. And I think kind of from the beginning, you know, she didn't have any superpowers. She wasn't a, a high powered adventurer. She was the, the one that was kind of least likely to lead them. Mm-hmm. And, and she is, she's the, the strong one from, you know, from the beginning. And then you look at 1969, whenever the group completely unravels, and it's because she loses it. She's not able to keep them under control. And that's when the group just disbands and, and disintegrates. And it's because she's not able to hold them together and then whenever she does come back in in um 2009 it's not maybe directly because of her but but because she does take that that role again you know they they eventually come out you know come out triumphant it's true and you will be very proud of me by the way what's that because when um orlando goes to the uh mi5 uh yeah. in in the freemasons hall uh-huh. at uh Vohal. uh she she asked to see m and she's escorted uh to m by a man they call j3 uh-huh. which is, which is joined by another man they call j6 and i immediately got it and it was odd because i am no fan of james bond uh, J J three is Roger Moore, yes, and J six is Daniel uh, Craig. Daniel Craig, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, I get this. I was so proud of myself because I I don't even think I've seen the Craig movies. I, I probably haven't. What's the matter? The first one's really good. Oh yeah. well, that I mean that, and that's one of the things. Is that I don't know if Alan Moore is um, very much not a fan of he's not, the Bond. He's not. No, he's not. It, it, because James Bond is one of the most vile, repulsive characters yeah. in the entire League series. Mm-hmm. He is he is a douche. He's a douchebag. He's a douchebag. <laughs> he's he's a woman. He's a He's a womanizing 
drunkard. Uh, he's really a moron. Uh, he's, I mean, really a moron. Where's the three dollar bill? <laughs> oh, in uh, in black dossier. Oh, he is just just repugnant. Uh, a, near rape, <laughs> near rapist. Um, and but the the character that the character that you end up liking quite a bit is Money Penny, who uh, yeah. uh, you know who doesn't put up with James's shit anymore and actually becomes M. Um, but yeah, he does not treat James Bond very kindly in this. Did you notice the uh, bookended cameos by Doctor Who? Who? In in one panel. Oh yeah 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 yeah. They There's had um yeah William they had uh, they had Hartnell and uh, Matt Smith. Yep yep. Which was very cool. I did notice that. And I want to talk about that that uh, those recurring sections. Whenever Norton shows up. The uh, meta, meta, temporal detective. Notice the people, uh, the background people. Mm-hmm. They're they're always the same in every book. You'll have you'll have Norton talking to whatever characters in the foreground, and then uh, maybe in the background or overlapping somewhere, you'll have Andy Cap like. Real There's world, handicap, yeah, yeah. Real world representations of Andy Cap and his wife. Uh, there's, there's a man. I don't know if it's um, uh, Marty Feldman. It kind of, he's got the wandery eye. It could either be Marty Feldman or Jackie Mason. But that character's always there. There's a dude in a bowler with a little Hitler-esque mustache. There's a tall, blonde-haired, well-built man. And these characters trail through all of the parts that that norton appears in every book that's crazy that they would yep. pay that close attention to detail it's it's well we say this all the time it's alan moore who by the way don't, is don't is prospero yeah is oh yeah he's prospero, he definitely prospero uh, and, and i love how he's always surrounded by the anima and the animus it's nuts and and the 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 the, the big clue is the rings i mean prospero's hands are just loaded with jewelry and he, he's got the uh the trademark alan moore beard mustache and the 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 hairy eyeball but um i read these back to back to back uh on the fourth of july oh nice and, yeah and i because you know what i i got the third one i'm thinking i'm never going to remember what happened in the first two and in context that's the whole thing i mean league is a book that very much works on uh, continuity and context, so I figured I might as well read them all again, and I'm glad I did. I need because, to sit down and do that. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming, and this uh, come out by Top Shelf, by the way, um, mm-hmm. and it is available through uh, iBooks. If uh, oh, cool, uh, yeah. So if you haven't gotten the uh, the print one or can't find it, you can get it through uh, through iBooks. Um, and uh, I'm assuming that at some point. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna release uh, an absolute size. I hope I'm so. There. Anyway, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Did you notice the part in the uh, the Sigmund Freud, uh, the the Cootie Center, uh, where Mean is incarcerated, when the nurse is pushing the the old guy into the hallway, uh, and uh, the next panel she's going down on him. The the uh, <laughs> the this the center is yeah, based yeah. on uh, mental uh, healing through uh, sexual encounters. And, yeah. Yeah. So she's. I mean, hey, that'd be a nice hospital. You know what I mean? I'd fake it just to get in there. But <laughs> <He would. laughs> I love these books. I can't read them enough. 
They're awesome. Um, yep. <clears throat> yeah. Characters I despised early on, I really liked at the end, like Roland. I didn't really care for Roland um, early on, but uh, in this last um, chapter, she's awesome with Excalibur. Oh, or Orlando, sorry. <laughs> Orlando, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's some awesome scenes. And I love Harry's reaction to, uh, <laughs> to Excalibur. Yep. And he's got a big Band-Aid over the scar on his forehead, too. Yep. It, it's yep. pretty cool. And he carries around Haddo's head in a birdcage. <laughs> you almost so, start feeling bad for Haddo at the end. Nah. He got what he deserved. Mm-hmm. He's the bad dude. All right, we've taken up. You what? You got anything else to, to cap this off? Oh, just, just read them. They're, they're so good. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning, and it, they're different. Um, the first volume of League is very different from... What you know? I guess you consider this the third volume, um, but yeah. it all it all ties together. Um, but you know, it it changed it changes in tone quite a bit. But uh, yeah. but they're all good. You know what? Uh, and this will, this won't be uh, time consuming. My favorite part in all three books, and it's it's Alan Moore having a little bit of fun with himself uh, and with his characters. It's the news broadcast. That uh, tells of the suicide of Jack Flash, who tried to gas himself three times and ended up jumping to kill oh, himself. Jumping, that, jumping that, Jack Flash that to is, gas, gas, yes, gas. That's brilliant. And it's, uh-huh. just, it's just this brief aside that yeah. more sticks in there, just trying to have fun. You know, I love that part. It's what, one panel at the most? Maybe, maybe two, I think. But it's, it's brilliant and it's so much fun. And it's nice to see Alan Moore get giddy a little. You know, people, people. Well, you know, that's the thing is, you know, people think of Alan Moore as being this very serious, very stoic, very, um, you know, uber literary writer, which he certainly is, and and that comes out. But you know, the reason Alan Moore is the the greatest that that has ever done it is because he can do all of it. He, yeah. If you you want him to do horror, he can do horror. You want him to do porn, he can do porn. Superheroes, hey, yeah. yep, check. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, yep. he 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 has conquered pretty much every genre. I don't know if he's done like a war comic. Um, oh, I'd have to. There there was I think was oh no that was Veach the the, the, the war yeah. interlude in uh, Swamp Thing. I'd have to go back and 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 check, but you know, a lot of people aren't aware that. I mean, he started out as as a humor writer. He did, you know, gag comics. You know, Dr. and Quench is that's that's a that's a humor comic. So he's a he's he can be a funny bastard. Yeah, that uh, strip he did with the cat initially was uh, uh, very comedic. What but, about uh, Bo Jeffrey saga? Yeah, well, see, I never really got. A lot of the humor in the Bo Jeffrey saga. That's very British. <laughs> At least, I mean, to me, uh, you know, people were like, oh, it's screamingly funny. I, where? I don't, I don't really see it, but whatever. That's because I'm not British, I guess. All right, let's move it on. That was fun. Yeah. Not for you guys. <laughs> I need to read it again. What do we got? That's a Jason that girl. Up, I, I think. That's it. Yeah, right. It's not even a half an hour. <laughs> Do it. David told me he read something that was going to make me giddy, so. I did, well, maybe we can tag team on it then. Oh, I didn't know it was something I had read, but. It is something you have read well, because check it's something it. you let me borrow. Oh, snap. <laughs> I read the first two 
trades and I and this week besides maps besides um getting things sent to me with 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 um digital redeeming codes and and everything else I want to get to the third trade so bad but Jason let me borrow the first four trades of Chew and this I read the first issue when it came out I think I, I think we all talked about it or I know we I know we mentioned it, and and the book doesn't get mentioned too often um, these days. But um, I went in forgetting everything I read about that first <laughs> issue. Didn't didn't you know? I, I didn't. The hype wasn't for me. I, I, all I remember really about when Chu launched was limited availability and the Walking Dead version 2.0 with with everybody selling the first issue for Boku bucks on eBay and everything like that. So I just I figured if I read it again, eventually, great. So Jason hits me up with with, with these four trades, and and I finally uh, read the first one, read the first five issues, loved it. Grabbed the second trade, devoured that, and and that a boy. I, I sent him. I, I I sent him a twix, and I was just like, dude, it is no joke. I am loving it. I just. I, I, of course you did. <laughs> so it was, um, it really is. It's, it's, it's unique. Uh, I, it, it's original. The, I, Glory's art is, is funny. It, it works in this setting because you could, I mean, if, if it was drawn in a more realistic style, then the story wouldn't work as well but it really is just a nice mesh of of words and pictures the, the the characters are fantastic i mean you get you get a sense of of how crazy things are going to be but then it really goes off the rails with the second trade when when tony Chu's partner comes back and and he's half he's a cyborg and he just you there really is it's it's completely unpredictable you don't know where it's going just when you think because it's there are some things where okay there might be some real world physics involved and and Mm -hmm. the science could actually exist but then you get hit with you know other things like like the uh like the food critic and and how you know and 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 the words familiar rights how it can cause everybody to to taste everything that she's right and 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 the whole thing is just I thought when when we were originally introduced to Appleby that that's the kind of character where if if he's a, if he's around too much I'm just turned off. I, I really won't be able to enjoy the rest of the book no matter how good the rest of the story is if 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 he's the type of character where if he's around too much it just it kills it for me but they use him just enough. Obviously, initially, he, he's there to get in Tony's ass and to make his life miserable. Right. And, but he's then seasoning. He, he mm. but then you get, then you get Glaris. that that. Uh, then you get to that last. You get to that splash page with Appleby and and Tony's partner, and my my jaw dropped. I was just like, I exactly I don't know where this is going. Sometimes, and it's great. I love that about it. And and I, this is. Another thank you, then, because I'm, I'm thanking Jason for turning me on to it, for you know having me give it another chance, and yeah. and it's you know, you know I I know you are very much of all of us the you bristle from hype, 
you, you definitely like if something gets like blown up hype, you definitely like to stick it to the side. It's not that you don't like it, but you like to put it to the side until the hype dies down to revisit it. Like for, and I've seen that's a trend with you for lots of things. Um, so um, I actually forgotten when I gave you these trades, I forgot that there was that whole first issue hype because by then it would have been so long. But uh, but now that you mentioned it, you're right. It was. Um, I'll say this: um, John Layman's not the best Twitter follow because he doesn't ever stop talking about the scorpions in his house. But uh, homeboy can <laughs> homeboy can write though. Um, yeah. And it, for, it's funny because that you bring it up this week because uh, it was just announced this week that John Layman is the new writer of Detective Comics. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, which That's is a correct. big step up for him. Um, I'm actually really fascinated at that because so far all we've seen of him is of this book, which is unbelievably creative but also very humorous, you know. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles a classic, uh, you know, superhero, you know, with you know detective story um but yeah dude this book i mean i've talked about it a bunch it's it's such a freaking good book i I, the creativity is just off the charts um you know i mean you got you know you got a a chicken that's a secret agent you know you got freaking you've got all these different crazy powers like you know and it's like every every issue or two they come up with different ones you know there's the the SIBO path obviously is what what uh what Tony is and, and stuff and Mason Savoy as well. But you know, then you've got his girlfriend who wants to be a scribe. Yeah. Sabo Scrivener. And then you've got Sabo the, uh, Scrivener. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You've got the, and then you've got the guy that can, that can, you know, turn, you know, can sculpt out of butter and make it in, uh, you know, in chocolate and make it anything and, you know, make it, he can make any chocolate sculpture actually real. So he can, you know, carve a sword out of chocolate and cut somebody in half. <laughs> like it's just, the stuff is just redonkulous. It's what so nuts. It's so nuts, yeah. you know. The uh, th- I was initially I s- when we got to the reveal at the end of the first trade with with um, with Savoy, I was like, it it bummed me out a little bit because I liked the character, and then and and then he does the whole thing with with the ear, and I'm just th- there are things that actually. There, there are consequences, and 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 I really do dig that because nothing really gets overlooked or forgotten about. I, of the two that I've read so far, I did, this is a book where I think I can say that um, each one's better than the last. The second trade is fantastic, where where Tony goes to the island and and he's investigating this this fruit and and the mayor there and and yeah, I mean I'll, and the I'll vampire be. and all it, the whole. That that whole story arc was was just fantastic. I couldn't, I I wanted to take my time with it, but I couldn't get get through it fast enough because I just wanted to see where it was going. I, I well, was shoot really hooked. It. I, I dude, I did. I really did shoot <laughs> through it. It was. It's. You know, uh, I've never I've never heard him interviewed about this, but I remember after reading the first few issues of this, thinking, "Man, this is really fun." But can he? How long can they go with this? Like, you know, how long can they go with the idea of this dude that eats? That you know, and 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 to Layman's credit, he's gone a long way by expanding the universe and going in different directions. And um, I'm I would love to know how much of this is as he goes, you know, because I gotta imagine that he didn't have all the stuff that's happened so far in his mind when he started the series. You know, I just think he's a creative guy, and I get the sense he just keeps letting it go in different places. And he's a good enough writer that he he's able to to keep a, a you know an underlying 
an undercurrent to it all that keeps it that keeps it together, which is impressive. But I, I'm just guessing because I haven't heard him speak to it directly. But uh, but if anyone else out there has heard him talk about it, I'd love to know if he's admitted to to letting the story come to him as he's continued with it. I, I like when, um, and not just for Lehman, but writers in general, I I like it when when the characters tell the writer where the story is going. I, oh, I, sure. I don't, I, I'm not a big, I mean, obviously if you, if you have a beginning, middle and end and, and you you know where you're going with it, but if it's, if it's something where if you thought you were going in one direction, but it just makes more sense because of how things are playing out and it just flows naturally, it just feels more organic. I, so if, if he's, if he had an idea and he's like, this is where we're going. And you know, like, like when we talk about, vertigo series you know if they're going to like 60 issues or, or 72 or whatever and and it's just like well this was a good ending point you know issue 33 is where i decided to end it and and if it's just if that's where if that's just where it ends naturally so be it so if he's if he keeps coming up if this universe keeps expanding and growing and, and he has characters that he can always write about or, or get back to and he goes in a completely different direction than where he was going with it if if it works i'm i'm I don't like anything forced or I don't don't keep it in the box. Just, just let it go. And and it, out of the two trades so far, it, it seems like just from what I've read, he's he's letting it take its natural course. Yeah, I just hope that DC affords him the same creative uh, freedom that he had at Image because <laughs> writing writing Detective is a hell of a lot different than writing Chew. Sure, you know, well, that's the, the, there are, there are limitations else. to what he could do. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I can hear maybe, maybe the Joker, maybe the Riddler. I can definitely hear some of Batman's rogues in Layman's characters. I, I can, I can see, I mean, I, I don't know how I haven't come across any characters that, that are reminiscent of Bruce Wayne, really, but as far as, as the rogues or the supporting cast, I, I can see Lehman having a good handle on those. How about Boo Swain? That's, that's... <laughs> you I mean, remember Boo Swain, right? Boose? Boo Swain from the Nat Rat, or the, the, the Dark Nat Returns, Mark Martin. <laughs> oh, my remember God. That? Yeah. Blast from the past, nice. Bad, a big blast from the past, yep. I fell off the Chew uh, train. I have, like, 15 issues left to read. For shame. Yeah, I know. I, I, you can't get to them all, right? It's true. It's true. We're still buying it. Still buying it. But uh, yep. how about the the future issue? What was it? Issue twenty six. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. It's yeah. that it was that. That's pretty cool. Because back in the when, when when it initially came out, I was like, wait a minute, Image screwed up. They numbered this thing wrong. Because I I didn't read up to that point, you know. And now I I'm in on the joke. Ha <laughs> mm-hmm. ha. Really, that's very cool. I like that. See, yeah. take chances. Do it. Do it. I knew if I didn't bother David about it, he would eventually read them. I, a couple times, I was like, I, I was like, I wonder if he's reading those trades I gave him. <laughs> um, you, know, you, give, you give your boy trades, your boo. You want him to dive in. Uh, you do. You're right. You're right. It's like I sandpaper. Know. It really is. Like you rub my balls with sandpaper. <laughs> I understand that. You're hateful. It's a, it's, you're, it's a, you're doing it just a, inflict pain on me. That's what oh you're doing. It's a beautiful God. thing. Ah, oh. uh, boy, oh boy. Can, can we tag team on something else? We want to take because it's fun. Can we? Um, if, if it's what I you, think you were about to talk about, yeah, because I read them all. Awesome, Chris. How far up on the before Watchmen thing are you? Uh, up to comedian. 
Night. Oh, you didn't read Comedian yet? Uh, started it. Have not finished it yet. So you oh, did read Night Owl or Comedian? I, did, I have not read Night Owl or most of Comedian. Okay. I read uh, through Night Owl. As did I. My man. And I got to say, this is uh, spoiler free, of course, but any fears anyone had initially when this project was announced by this Night Owl issue, if they aren't dispelled, you're just being a pissy pants. Because all of this stuff, with maybe there's one exception, and it's 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 a it's a minor one. All this stuff is rock solid. Every every number one that has come out so far has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I I got a little bit of an issue with the art in comedian. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, jo- Jones is it's kind of stiff, mm-hmm. and and kind of um, reference heavy. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't. I would never have expected this degree of of that kind of uh, work from him. It's not bad per se, but when you're you're bracketed by the Cuberts, which was phenomenal visual. By the way, it was yeah, just, Aunt, Andy needs to have his dad ink him every goddamn time. You're right. You're, <laughs> but you see, that's the thing. I was wondering how much is Joe adding to this? Well, it's because Joe, man, he's finishing. I, I know. I mean, the man doesn't do anything. Uh, halfway, but so so you. So what was the one before uh, comedian Silk Spectre, Silk Spectre which was Amanda gorgeous, and, beautiful, and probably the best you know, art I've seen Jacob from her. Fan? Oh, I'm sorry, I yeah. talked over you. Go ahead. I don't care. I just said it's probably the best art I've seen from her. Yeah, today. I was gonna say I I'm not a huge like current Shaken fan, but I, I there were there were panels of this that I thought she was channeling quote unquote good Shaken. Like the faces to me looked just like yeah. straight out of a like a Shaken a, a at his best. And uh and then the little panels where she was diving into Silk Spectre's, you know, imagination and she got real cartoony were just wonderful. Such little yeah. nice little asides from the rest of the book. I, I thought her art was just stunning. I mean And sure. I'll I, I'll probably get death threats from from this following comment, but in for my money uh, Connor's facial expressions are light years ahead of Kevin Maguire's. Wh- wh- whenever Maguire would do somebody mugging or, you know, that, that, that exasperated face, it always looks staged to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he does it. I mean, there, there's a certain level of expertise in his work that, I mean, it's there. The man can draw, but it just seems like whenever he would do the extreme expressions, like whenever you are, right, you have a character talking and they're of you know the body uh, language and stuff. That's great, but but the, when you push the the um, expressions into the extreme, that's where I kind of have issues with McGuire because not only is it, is it expected, but they're all of the same design uh, so to speak like mm-hmm. I'm trying to put my but the Amanda Connor ones they all the expressions felt very natural and it was because they weren't as I think they 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 were borderline cartoony in some instances and they just looked so damn wonderful like when when, when the she's there talking to the boy the, and, and she's like melting and she's excited and she's like ooh, you know it looks all it all looks great it looks yeah. right and they're yeah, really, like really good me too, me too. A little uh, that bit was light. my favorite that was my favorite of the first yeah. four yeah. wow cool it's because you know it's it's neat to see a before watchman story that's a teen romance Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it surprised me. Um, yeah, I didn't know Darwin Cook had that in him. To be honest, kind of so. light, kind of light. But and then again, we got to wonder. Kind how of. Much I of mean, it... there's some heavy shit that goes on in it. 
Yeah. You got to wonder how much of Amanda Connor contributed to the story because she has, she's a co-writer on that. I think oh. a lot. I was actually uh, talking to Paul Mounts, who I think colored it. And uh, and I think that I think Amanda has a lot of a, a lot to do with it. Cool. Yeah. But oh, I think on the comedian, I'm with you. That was my least favorite of the four. Um, but it, it but it it almost completely made up for itself by having the scene where uh, the comedian <laughs> is, uh, is 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 literally kissing Marilyn Monroe's ass. Yeah, she, that was great. Was pretty awesome. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, he, he, Blake would do that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I really liked the story in uh, in Comedian. Azzarello pretty much nailed it. But I don't want to say this word, but I'm going to have to to make my point. Um, Watchmen continuity-wise, <laughs> uh, if you include the movie. Right. Wasn't, yeah, I, I think it's not. I think this is this was Azzarello's way of saying F the movie. Okay, good. All right. So, 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 uh, so we can draw the line from the events in the story to the to the conclusion that it was the FBI that took out um, Kennedy because the FBI stepped in and had Blake removed from the equation. Yeah. Be, with him being so close to the the Kennedy brothers and and Jackie and everything, so mm-hmm. it's just it's a neat story. The dialogue's really snappy in this. I do hope though that they. I mean, because these are just the first issues. I do hope that they get into the the darker side of Blake, though, because in, in the mm-hmm. Minutemen first issue, they introduce him very clearly as being a, a pretty mentally imbalanced bad dude. And then, obviously, in the you know we we know from from the original source material that you know he's capable of doing some pretty heinous things. So, yeah. like this first issue, almost made him out to be very heroic. And so, I, I just I hope they juxtapose. The two sides of him, you know, because I, I would be surprised, and I'm, I'm sure Azarello will do that. But I, I was a little surprised by how heroic and straight they played this. I thought mm-hmm. I read some commentary online um, suggesting that maybe Azarello was trying to say that Blake was gay in in the in the or at least bisexual. You know, it's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I, I saw other people say that too. In fact, I listened to another podcast where they talked about that, and then I read the issue, and I completely didn't get that at all. I didn't either. I because I think it's the character's reluctance to uh, admit um, his uh, or reveal his emotions, at least in terms of of caring or any anything on the light side of the emotional spectrum. You know, uh, I guess Jackie, they were drawing that from Jackie Kennedy. Saying he, saying, loves, yeah, he loved him and then him saying, yeah. you know, but, but I don't, I, I took her that to mean her just literally mean like bro, like bro love, but, but, yeah, but she knew you can love a, a dude can love a dude, right? Right. But back then a, a macho <laughs> dude like that would have taken that kind of term as offensively. So she had to keep correcting right. herself and saying yeah. respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, which one I'm going to say is my favorite so far. And it's, it, it, it was shocking because I didn't think, uh, I didn't expect any issue to eclipse the the first Darwin Cook one that uh, until the next Darwin Cook issue came out but the uh the Night Owl is just astoundingly good. Really? Okay. Yes, yes. It's 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 fantastic. It was uh, it, it was surprisingly good to me because JMS um mm. plus I I I didn't know if I'd find that Night Owl character as interesting but I'm with you with that was the most pleasant surprise of the of the, of the bunch. Yep. Yeah, Joan nails it. And let, let's give uh, his son some credit, too. Um, Andy does a, a damn good job 
the it 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 looks and reads like <sighs> do I want to say this? It's in the same ballpark as Gibbons's work. I, I wow. would say, yeah, I know what you're saying. I would say this one felt to me like the most uh, direct homage to the original material. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, yep. like they're really going out of their way to honor or fit in the mood of the of the of the of the original um without without it seeing seeming derivative that's the thing i've been impressed the most of with these four four shoes is that i didn't know if i was going to even be if it was even possible for me to read these without feeling it was just so derivative and less inconsequential just because i hold the the you know the, the original up in such high regard as do many people and i really didn't feel that that was the case i mean i, I you absolutely need to have 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 the background of having read the original i think to to really get much out of these but but having done that i i do see these as as, as they go along have very much potential to be their own stories uh-huh. um, and, and nothing so far that takes away from the greatness of the original work you know no, I, I didn't read any of these thinking like oh why do they have to do this you know we didn't need to know that about the character you know yeah i don't care if they do an afterwatch but i'll buy those too <laughs> if if they're as uh creatively sound as these books uh yeah uh david there's one part in night owl where uh dan who um is very gifted with technology and mm-hmm. and and constructing uh devices and he's got a bad bad home life and uh he he looks to mason as a uh, he idolizes mason uh, who he does not know is the night owl, but, uh, he, he trails him back to the owl cave and, uh, actually sneaks in without Mason knowing, uh, and writes him, uh, types him a note on a typewriter. And when he does it, he puts the, the cowl on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a nice little touch. Like he loves this character of the night owl and he wants to be his sidekick, but Mason's like, nah, son, you know what? I'm yeah, a, nah, I'm a, tra- I, I'm gonna I'm train you to be the next night owl. It's it's a very cool issue, and it's Straczynski. I was like, "What? Really? Where have you been hiding this?" Jay? Well, listen, Straczynski is very, very good strong at starting off series. Yeah. I know he's strong yeah, out of the gate. The, that's the big fear: is start yeah, strong, finish weekly. Yeah, Dan will yeah, be. Well, uh, you know, hey, he's 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 had some he's had some good long running series before. Ah, yeah, so. sure, and some good long running uh, stories too, like Babylon Five until season five yeah. but um I, I expect by issue four dan will be biting or uh, fighting <laughs> biting mm. he, he'll be dealing with uh bowel issues and um bank <laughs> deposits you know and the story <laughs> will just go right off the rails but i hope not I, I really hope not it's such a strong start these are so damn good yeah and well uh i had to take issue with mr moore recently i love the man to death but someone asked him you know hey buddy what's the difference with uh you using all these literary characters in your league books and taking issue with dc using your characters in in the before watchmen um books and he he kind of danced around it saying i I forget uh, something along the lines of well um the uh the the literary characters that i'm using uh all of the uh i'm probably going to get this wrong all of the uh creative people are dead there or around there and it was, he just danced around it it didn't yeah, really make sense you know, that's why I'm, i'm probably not remembering it i don't want to put words in the guy's mouth but i or the characters were dead something my, was my, dead my my guess is that is that alan 
wants comic book creators to come up with their own shit. You know, and yeah, dumpster diving. You know, yeah, you know, there, there's no question that you know the the Watchmen characters were were analogs for for Charlton characters, and you look at at League of Extraordinary Gentlemen; those are you know based on literary characters. But he, he has breathed so much life into them. It's you know those. Those Charlton characters never lived like they did on the pages in in Watchmen, and and you look at what he did in League, and that's you can't deny the creativity of it. And I think he just wants other creators to um, to do their own thing, you know. Yeah, but come on, let's no be honest. If if he's gonna accuse. Uh, creators of dumpster diving he's pulling from the biggest dumpster the universe has ever well at least our planet the the biggest yeah. dumpster this planet has ever seen i mean all of literary history is his dumpster he yeah. could do whatever you take any care i mean wants to throw the seven dwarves in what the hell why not you know it's it, that's the the construct that is the league but it's it's kind of well, don't to your turn point, around i, mean, I, I haven't read the the ones you just talked about but to your point i mean for him to include harry potter and voldemort i mean that's you know Obviously, those yeah. are characters that are very much in the current, uh, oh, sure. you know, uh, pathos, and 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 are making tons of money, not public domain. And you know, while it sounds like he made a great use of them and it fit well, it, it you know clearly he's not above you know satire or you know sure. using homage. So, um, yeah. look, we've Believe all been through this a million times. He's an amazing writer, arguably, well, to my mind, the best comics writer ever. But he's a salty bastard, and you know there's not much that that DC can do these days that would make him complimentary of it. So yeah, ultimately though, he is a human being, right? I mean, I know we like to elevate the man above that that status, but he he's he he's a human being. He's he's prone to um, less than um, eloquent speech at times, and sometimes he just doesn't think things through when he talks right i do it all mm -hmm. the time i'm doing it right now uh so so you know I, he has created works that will outlive those of the uh -huh. majority and and he's he's uh he's earned it but i would just not talk about it if i were were, were he just, just don't yourself. just don't talk about it well you do what you, you gotta know, do the, and, a lot of that is is a matter of people's to, that need to stop asking him the same questions. It's true. Yeah. It's but true. I mean, those are the hot button issues, though. That's what everybody wants to know. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'd, I'd rather not. I would rather hear yeah. about his creative process. It's like, do not exactly. talk happy fun ball. Well, and that's one of the uh, one of my favorite interviews I've ever heard um, uh, that Alan Moore has done was with the indie spinner rack guys, and it's because they didn't ask him any questions about his mainstream Marvel or DC work. It was true. They were scared. You know, scared. Was, I mean, they just wanted to talk with... with he, they were probably as, as excited to talk about uh, talk with Melinda Gibby as they were yeah. Fallon Moore. And, yeah. yep. and and that's just, you know, that's that's those guys and knowing, knowing that work. And, I mean, if you want to hear... Alan Moore be excited to talk to comic book fans about his worth, about his work. Go back and and listen to that because it's it's almost all about you know uh, Lost Girls. So it's 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 interesting. But you gotta uh, admit his emotional, emotional um, um, output. I gotta admit that you're crackly. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> no, I'm with you. That 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 Indie Spinner interview was amazing stuff for people that 
that uh, have never heard it and are interested, I mean, if you just go to IndieSpinRack.com and do a search in their archives, I'm sure you'll, they still have it up for... Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this was years ago. I mean, what, it was probably three, four years ago at this point. But, oh, at uh, least that. But, but Charlito and Mr. Phil, um, I mean, that was definitely an awesome chat. And they talked for a long time with them both. Um, but... Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Moore's the man. He's the man, and he's 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 bitter. And we've uh, again, I, I just feel like it's we've we've feel like we've all dissected that so much. It's almost I just come to accept, just accept it. He's you know it's he's, the the epitome of ad nauseum. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 when when they announced this, I was skeptical, and 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 I I mean, certainly, I think something can be a greedy money grab and also be worth reading. You know what I mean? They're not mutually exclusive. Um, it's it, it, like some we're. Again, it gets back to the uh, my being sounding like a curmudgeonly old man when I say the internet, but you know we're so prone to having to have strong reactions to things now. It seems like people want an extreme. It has to be either or. You know, it's either the best ever or the worst ever. It's either good or bad. Things are you know things have nuances. More can have validity to his consternation, and his, and 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 the, and DC can be well worth the criticism that's put upon them for the way they've treated him, and that doesn't automatically mean that the works that are coming now in before Watchmen are either not worth doing or not possibly done well. And so to me, I just said, all right, listen, um, this has a high probability of being the suck. You know, I wouldn't have been at all been surprised if this was just the suck. Um, but I'll give it a try. And yeah. to be honest, DCBS made it very easy to give it a try because they made it mad cheap. And the artists were impressive. So I figured, well, at, the, at a minimum, they're going to be pretty. And uh, like 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 we've said, like Vince said, and, and I agree, that, you know, only four issues out of like thirty something have come out, so we have a long road ahead of us. But the first four issues, um, particularly three of the four, I thought were quite enjoyable and impressive. And that's at the end of the day, you know, I think every work deserves to be judged on its own merits. And if for some reason someone is uncomfortable supporting it because of a feeling that they need to support Alan, that's cool too. You know, I was it's on the verge. kind of ridiculous. Anyone that anyone that feels that way probably shouldn't read any comic that has a character that was created by someone other than the creative team that's working on it. Well, it's a tricky thing. I mean, again, I you know, if you're going to feel that way, you probably shouldn't read the Avengers. Or Superman, or Spider-Man, or... Well, no, I mean, again, I don't want to go make this into a whole Alan Moore defense offense tangent, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, again, the, the issues with Moore and Watchmen are a little bit unique uh, versus some of the other things you're mentioning, and that, uh, you know, they clearly went out of their way to convince him that, that he was going to have the rights back at some point, and then did everything well, in the power I mean, to keep them from him. Uh, that's different than... That's different well, I mean, than, come on. It, it, that, when he signed that contract... How many comics had been collected and printed, and it stayed in print? Right, but as we talked about the last time, we talked about more the where it gets really insidious is the fact that they have kept Watchmen in print without ever stopping from the day that they signed that contract with him, and yet almost every other one of their evergreen works, including Dark Knight, have gone out of print. So yeah. that's where it starts getting insidious. I, if, yeah. if again, personally, I think DC has absolutely gone out of their way to keep Alan from monetizing this property. But sure. that being said, all I can do on this stuff is judge it for what it is. Yeah. I, if you were, if you were asking me before I read them, what I thought, what I thought that they would have been high quality, I, I would have been very skeptical. But um, but I, I gave him a chance, and uh, you know, it is what it is. I you know, I, I think that there's um, there's a million ways that this could still go off the rails. 
you know, there's more there's more miniseries still to come. These have to be finished up, right? I mean, all kidding aside, JMS can totally flounder it. You know, we don't know where they're going to go. Um, so I'm not I, saying that. I, I look at the I look at this series much like I uh, um, approach Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's like you know what? If it's terrible, it's not going to change Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, you know that, that's still there. And you know what? It was it was good. Is is Young Indiana Jones? Is it on the level of of you know, the Raiders movies? You know, especially the first one. No, but it was still good. Mm-hmm. But you gotta but, admit, DC exercise. Am I good? Yes. Yeah. DC like exercise. You, like, you didn't like Young Young Indiana Jones. I don't like any of the Raiders movies. You're such a strange man. I don't. Yeah. But anyway, stand you at all. Um, what? Stop the pre- what? I don't. I, know, I just don't understand. You I don't. Know. I just don't. I they're they're okay, but it's, I don't. I don't rank them anywhere near the the uh, the sacred cows like Star Wars or say two thousand. It's just whatever. They're they're, they're fun. They're they're, so they're enjoyable. But well, I, I apologize, know. folks. It's okay. It's okay. Can I, can well, I, can no, I say it, Jason? Well, Go ahead. Baffling. 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 You got to admit. Man is insulting Indiana Jones and James Bond in the same podcast. DC Baffling. has have exercised incredible Baffling. restraint in waiting 25 years before doing this. They they could they could when they saw the numbers on Watchmen and the mm-hmm. fact that it kept selling year after year after year they yeah. they, well, yeah, they, I mean, they could have rode that train right to hell, but they, they didn't. Did. We can thank Levitz for that though. Yeah, they pulled back, you know, so that, all right, it's old regime, but still, it, it the fact exists. They did not plunder, uh, these, this story, uh, until now. And that says something. 25 years is a long stretch when you could be getting green every year for something. Well, like, I, I think when this was first announced, we, we had a similar conversation. And, and at the time I said it, and I'll stick with it. All we could ask as fans of the original, and I do think personally, if I had to rank them watching, it would be my favorite comic of all time. Um, all we could ask is they had every right and always have had every right to monetize the hell out of this franchise. Sure. Yep. And and all we could ask is that they do a good job and that it's clear that they are, regardless of what you may think of any of the individual series so far, I will say it would be hard for someone that's being objective that's read them to say that they did not put a lot of thought and quality behind this effort. Hell you yeah. may not like the story individually. You may not like the... You know, there might be components to it. It may not grab you. I'm not saying you have to love the stories, but I think it's hard if you're reading these first issues to argue that they didn't put a lot of effort in making these quality. They, this was not a, a rush hack job. They didn't have JT Cruel hanging out these issues. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying, not nice, the, dude. Hey, it's the truth, bro. <laughs> I'm saying it's the yeah. truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> JT Cruel. <laughs> Don't be cruel. Oh boy. Or JT. All right. Um, <laughs> we let, let's let's take the the drive the bus in a different direction. Let's do it. What we got? I I read like a bastard the past couple of days. So did David. What do you got, David? Uh, oh boy. He's still, he's still right. on, his, on his his high of, he's high on life right now. I am. I am. You are. It's it <laughs> <laughs> uh we'll have to talk after. Um no, no, no. Oh, I, I um, think I think you need. David is never ever happy. He's never. Not, right? He's never, never. happy. <laughs> never. His career improvement. Honest to God, <laughs> hung hung like a stallion. Never happy. 
man. It's because he's That's, a Jew. He's got a ceiling fan blowing cool air on him right now. He's, he's a wild like, stallion. I, I love it. I love that. Fan. <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's beautiful. There's something that came out um, back in 2005. It's, it, well, I don't think it was originally a Forrester miniseries. It ended up being a Forrester miniseries put out by DC, written by Warren Ellis, uh, art by Gary Erskine. It is set in, it seems to be, set in, at the time it was, um, DC continuity, although there are no superheroes at all. And, which I found very strange, uh, issues two, three, and four have a recap page, which Ooh. looks real weird on a uh, on a DC book. But this is a little book called Jack Cross. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that book. It really did. Yeah, this is right yeah. Alley. This is uh yeah. it's it's post nine eleven. Uh Jack Cross is someone that um the government uses when they really need uh the dirty work done. And uh Chris probably loved it because some of it takes place in Chicago. There's um Third Coast. <laughs> there's a uh, <laughs> It's the art is great. It's and and this was when I was reading it when it was coming out. It was another one of those things where um, where it's like it's it's violent. Um, people are killed. People are maimed. Bones are broken. Uh, there's a neat trick that uh, the artist does where um, instead of like seeing um, something bad happen, he'll do a close up on on. Uh, It'll be like an X-ray of a human hand, and and you know just you'll see the the muzzle of a gun up against the guy's hand, and then the next panel will 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 be the uh, the aftermath. So you don't see the actual action, but you kind of just you get a feel for how how severe it can be. Uh, it's um it's a neat Forrester story, I believe. The, um, it was reprinted in a collection. They were going to do yep. a second arc because there was a um i think it's even called like dc presents jack cross something like that but at the, the end of the fourth issue there is a um on, on their little uh full bullpen page there's a you know in, in jack cross number five uh coming out but uh never materialized it is a um it's a fast-paced story there are um there are uh, government secrets and nuclear weapons and, uh, dirty bombs and, and mind control and basically, uh, Jack Cross has to save the day, but he, um, he's, he's a, uh, he's a unique character. There's, um, every time he has to take a life, he marks his own body. Uh, he, um, he, he answers when he when he takes a job on. He really answers to no one, and and he knows the best way to to um, to handle the situation. Uh, when he does take a job, he is guaranteed his payment is um, complete anonymity, and uh, he basically gets to live his life the way he wants without any any government interference. And um, I was hoping, you know, if if Ellis was able to tell more of i mean you, you get you get an idea of who this character is in, in these four issues but um there's a lot of backstory there i think that i would have liked to have seen more of but uh if if you come across it in in the back issue bins 
give it a shot. It's 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 a complete story, everything you need in these four issues, and and I am really it it was when I was going through the piles of this is all right. We have I moved all the um when when we were painting and rearranging the rooms, I, I moved all the uh, all all my issues, all, all my comics downstairs, and they were just in stacks and piles that downstairs scattered around the living room and, and I ordered some short boxes and for whatever reason Renee loves this little wall of full short boxes can't stand seeing stacks of comics but as long even if she knows the comics are in these white boxes she likes the white boxes so the white boxes mm-hmm. can stay in the living room as as long as I need them to be in there but as I was moving things and, and taking inventory of all the crap I have and I came across these four issues <laughs> which I haven't read in a while um, I figured I'd, I'd give it a shot as I'm reading it I, I realized that um, that this is something that if Chris hadn't read he would get a kick out of it if he has read it that, that he probably would enjoy it but um Probably not something that Vince would like because of his hatred towards James Bond, but the... Uh, I have the, it. Do you really? I have it. I've read it. And? I got to say, Ellis almost lost me during this period. Because wow. uh, around the same time as Jack Cross came out, uh, Down came out from, I believe, Image. Have you ever read Down? I did not, but I remember... By far the By far the worst thing Ellis has ever written. It's just nasty bad didn't like it on any level and i i I have to admit i i did enjoy jack cross but it was it's not something that that uh you know lit my world on fire it was okay Mm -hmm. right um but then ellis it's very much cut out of that that ellis mold i mean it 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 conforms to a lot of the trademark warren ellis story traits and characters and it just felt like more of the same to me uh, and then there was the espionage angle, which is like, okay, um, there's, there's no magician in this. There's, you know, what's the deal? So, I, I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I enjoyed it. The art's gorgeous. I love the, the art. Fantastic. It yeah. is, uh, I, as I'm reading it and they're explaining, you know, and Cross has a great line about how, you know, 9-11 didn't just happen overnight or, or yeah. you know, we were asleep with the people who were, responsible and and should have been aware of what was going to happen they didn't see it coming and and we have to it's just it's it was neat seeing these the words on the page come out across his mouth but but obviously ellis is writing it and and i i was reading it and i'm like it's it's kind of interesting neat i don't know but but a european has my kind of of take on things especially when post 9-11 and as it was happening in the years since then but it was it was um it's it's not a happy story it's no. it's not it's not something that you know you're, you're not um it's definitely not all ages but it's it's um it's it was a little bit and it's not it, that, that sounded a little weird it's um and was is he sleeping no oh, oh. I, thought, I thought you were sleeping go ahead uh, no yeah um, i thought i heard a snore yeah. no that would have been cool but go ahead <laughs> But it's it it very much feels like a this could have had a wildstorm banner on it. Oh it, yeah, it easy. Really, it didn't feel like a DC universe story, even though it's got the bullet on it. It it's you know I mean like I said, hey, it you're right. Sleek or anything, but it's it's um it's I mean it it's it reminds me of something that you know like like the Highwaymen, you know that that 
that yeah. Lee Garfield drew a bunch of years ago. But it's it's just I really enjoyed it. If if you like I said if you find it, check it out. You're right. All right. I there enjoyed that series when it came out. I did not read it, so I will it let was... you both issues it. Ah, right, cool. Or I can send you mine. Nice. There you go. I should maybe have you send me yours since you didn't like it. There you that, go. That way you true. won't miss it. I won't miss it. I really won't. Then my Warren Ellis library will not be complete, but I would do oh, that thanks. for you because I love you. Like a oh, dude. Yeah. Loves another dude. Yeah. Dude. I no, got something look, for Chris. You love me more than that. For what? I know. Yeah. I got something for you. Oh. A book I read. Uh-huh. Because you know where it takes place? In England. In Chicago. Oh, okay. 1929. Oh. Prohibition. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. not really. If you had be- a Tommy gun. Be- right, because Prohibition was in full swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the economic turmoil of the Great Depression blanketing mm-hmm. the country. Jobs were scarce. Crime was rampant. Uh, basically, the city was infested with criminals. Organized under the command of the crime boss named Wicked Lester McGee. <clears throat> See where I'm going with this? Who recently discovered the presence of a rat within the ranks of his organization. A dirty, stinking rat. Uh, now, Wicked Lester's method of dealing with snitches was a bit unorthodox. Because the informant was not dispatched with a bullet to the head or a pair of concrete shoes but thrown into a portal leading to the flaming pits of hell. I hate it when that happens. I know. Lester is an agent of the Destroyer. Yes. A a cosmic force of chaos and destruction that permeates all time and space, and this Destroyer enacts his will through specially selected human hosts. But before our ragged informant can be cast into the pit... The alluring object of Lester's infatuation, the woman who walks in moonlight, known only by the name of she, that's she, kisses the doomed man and imparts the power of the opposition upon him. The elder, a force of order and justice in the eternal struggle with the destroyer. Her kiss transforms the rat into the avatar of the celestial, the space ace. <laughs> who teleports out of perdition and, in true fashion, passes on the remaining three talismans of power to human hosts. They got a pair of beat cops and a treasury agent. Do you know what the difference is between a a cop, a policeman, and a treasury agent? I don't know. They seem like the same thing to me. Treasury agent, well, wouldn't that be more for the government? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I would assume they were for the federal yeah, federal that, department. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so now, the elders' avatars number four. You have the aforementioned celestial, joined by the demon, the star child, and the cat man. They are the four who are one. Who am I talking about? Don't know. Really? Get, you're kidding me. The demon, the star child, the cat man. Oh my God! You're you about wanted kiss. the best, and you got the best. It's Kiss. Oh my God, you thought about Kiss. Oh, oh my gosh! No, from no. IDW, Kiss number oh, one, funny. and drawn by Jamal, Jamal. Eigel. Oh, yeah. 
written by this is really cool because on the inside front cover they have the credits and there is uh kiss lore inserted into their names is written mm -hmm. by chris king of the nighttime world real art by jamal black diamond eagle colors by romulo mr speed fajardo jr letters by sean strutter lee and it's edited by tom <laughs> 2000 man waltz now you know we could have picked a better song for tom because it is a rolling stone song uh but i loved this issue it was nice. so I, I i you know with kiss comics you have your ups and your downs right started out really strong with the marvel super special back in the day printed with kiss's very own blood but not really uh though the blood found its way into the ink for uh sports illustrated so there is no Kiss Blood in the original Marvel Super Special. It's in really? the, yes, it's in the course that month's issue of Sports Illustrated, from what I hear, right? But the really cool thing about this book, and Jamal knocked it out of the friggin' park. It's always beautiful. It's really well done. Could have been cartoony. Could have been a little too real. It's it's neither. It's it, there's a nice balance. I mean, when you have four characters that are dressed uh well uh, the makeup of kiss you can it could get a little especially gene you can get really outlandish and expressionistic and and just out there with gene but no he reined it in uh because we all know very well how liberal uh the kiss army are in the depiction of their their heroes they ain't having it you got to do it a certain way right um but the cool thing about this and there's a double page text spread in the back where chris real uh professes his love for kiss and there's one part in this thing where i said i did the exact same thing when he was when he was a kid he recorded kiss meets the phantom of the park on a cassette tape recorder because vcrs were not the you know in vogue back then they were i don't even think they were available if they were they were very very expensive and uh that's what i did i got a cassette player and i recorded Kiss meets the, the Phantom of the Park, and I listened to the damn thing over and over and over, and that's what he did. But anyway, the uh, the approach to this new Kiss book is really cool. They do not discount any of the continuity that came before. None of it. The Marvel cont continuity is accounted for. The image stuff. The uh, it's a period piece, though, right? Um, initially, yes. Uh, there's there's a um, uh, full page uh, splash of the informant uh, when when she kisses him and you see visions of all of the Kiss comics over the ages. You got the little Gene Colon uh, splash from Howard the Duck in there. There is a lot of art from the image books in here. The two Marvel Super Specials. They use the talismans from the Marvel Super Special. And uh, the, the, the crux of the biscuit being Chris does not want to step on any toes as far as Kiss lore goes, but he also wants to make the book very accessible to new readers. So this is going to be a series of two-issue arcs. That's really, really? cool. Yes, that's very cool. Because, I mean, if, if you're not liking the creative team on this pair of issues, sit it out. Wait it out until the next pair kicks off. You're only going to have to wait a month, right? That's yep. really smart comic booking, it I is. think. It is. Uh, so I think he, he says that the, these two issue, initial two issues take place in the uh, Chicago of the Prohibition era. And then the next two are some kind of fantasy thing. 
that uh, go back way far. I can't find exactly where he says the uh, exact period, but next, the issues three and four are going to be fantasy based. That is very cool. And to be honest, I would buy a Kiss comic no matter what the contents, <laughs> because I, I I love the band. I've uh, I've been with Kiss in comic book form since that very first Marvel Super Special and Howard the Duck. I don't know which came first. I think it was the Howard the Duck. I think it was the chicken. Yes, it was. So Howard is the chicken, um, but it's just so much fun, and and uh, it, it it doesn't pander to uh, the audience. It's pretty damn smart. The dialogue is really cool. Uh, it's it's over the top as you would expect, but we're dealing with a band of uh, you know a rock band transferred into comics. It's it's not highbrow stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. Another thing that Rial said was. Uh, over the years, the Kiss uh, in comic book form tend to adopt adopted these cosmic, uh, almost cosmic deities, where the reader couldn't really identify with this primal force of anger or enlightenment. You know, so what he's doing is that's why they they were very specific in assigning human hosts to to the Kiss characters because the personalities of the people. Uh, each each avatar's personality as a human being is included in the mix like it's not just gene simmons from kiss it's this this beat cop who likes to hit on the ladies he's a horn dog okay just like gene is but the, the the it's built into the human character right so it it's you can you can latch on to these without you know trying to wrap your head around adam warlock which is kind of in the neighborhood of what the the space ace character kind of is, so you know what I mean. Bringing it down to earth, it it's a great start. I I was I was hesitant to uh, to get this first issue because I really didn't want it to stink, knowing mm-hmm. that that I would be in the hole for the next X amount of issues because I cannot resist anything Kiss. Um, but I I was extremely happy when I closed the back cover. In fact, I read it again. That's there, awesome. there, there's demon dogs in it. It's just a, a great first issue. And Jamal, you're a bastard. I, I, you, <laughs> did a, you did a great job. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Jamal Argo fan. I'm not at all a Kiss fan, so this isn't something up my alley. But I did think of you when I when I uh, saw that issue on the stands. I thought, oh, that's something I'm sure Vince is going to read. Yes, and buy and worship and sleep with. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm uh, uh, Chris. If you're listening, I I can't um, think not, now. Chris Rial, you're you're you're. Oh, uh, Chris Rial. I'm right here, man. If if you're listening, please. IDW has a tendency to exploit. Their properties. Oh, I, I don't want to exactly, see yeah, a gene, five kiss titles. Yeah, I don't need it. Just keep it tight. Give yeah. me one ongoing and maybe a rotating series of miniseries that you know explore each character and maybe two, three issue miniseries. That's fine. Please do not do four or five books. It, yeah. you'll, you'll lose it. You'll lose the the, the the mojo. Yeah. So yay! Somebody take it out of my hands. I love it. Ooh. And you know what the name of this, the first arc is? Dress to Kill. <laughs> Come on. I love it. I love it. So giddy. Yep. Comics. Gotta hopefully, uh, hopefully the, um, speaking of titles that we buy and then we're disappointed in the, uh, the last Godzilla book was, was rough, mm. but I'm, I'm hoping this, uh, this, uh, Stoko version is going to be off the hook. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean was rough? Which one? Uh, uh on the, the, 
The relaunch? The, 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 number two? You didn't like number two? I didn't like number one or two. Oh, the Jason Statham character trying to get out of the... He's carrying the baggage of the dead daughter. You didn't like that, really? Wait, are you... Which one are you talking no, about? No, I think, I think Jason's talking about the one that uh, with Hester. Yeah. Oh, Vince okay. So, right. All right. Great. One that they put out like a thousand different covers for. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, there you, yeah. and there's the the over expansion of a property that we're talking Kingdom about. Kingdom of Monsters, right? Yeah. That was with. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm really psyched about the the, the one that's that, that. And that was that was um. Oh, goon. Andy Parks. Uh, Eric, Eric. No, no, it wasn't Parks. It was, it was uh, Eric, Powell. Eric, Eric Powell writing Phil Hester on art. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's right. That's not right. Fancy Ink name. Well, you know, um, this uh, Gain guy that's drawn the new incarnation of Godzilla, I, from my research, uh, uh, pointed out that he did a couple issues of the Godzilla Legend uh, series, so I ordered the trade for that, because I love this guy's art. He's, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Whew. Okay. You yeah. love it. We all love each other again. We always did. Uh-huh. What else we got? We did, dude. All right, boo. You gotta hey, do that, hey. don't you? you be, I, I'm in Happy Land, and you shit me into into. Did I just uh, call you Boo, though? You called me Boo, or did you call him Boo? See, I'm not used to it. I called you Boo. All right, I'm Boo for right now. I'm oh, boo. all of a sudden you don't want to be Boo? Lord, <laughs> Lord. Ah. Sweet Lord, you're too uh, good for it now. We, we gotta have more stuff to talk about. Sweet Got dude, to. dude. Who's gonna take it out of my hands? Well, uh, for fans of the long-running TV show The Wire. Mm-hmm. I heard that's good. I have to. I've seen it. But it takes place in a little crime-ridden town called Baltimore. Baltimore. And I Baltimore. want to talk about Baltimore, but I want to talk about some a totally different Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, everybody all they have thought. Like, about Ju- this, is about, this is about Julian Weidel's Baltimore, which is... It's, uh, it's, it's, no, it's I don't a, want to talk about Julian Weidel's Baltimore. Place. No, I want to talk about... I want to talk about Mike Mignola's Baltimore. I was just going to say, does this involve plague ships of any kind? No, it involves curse bells. Oh, this the next one, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I got the uh, the second hardcover here, volume two of. Uh, it's actually co-written by Mike Mignola and Christopher Golden, uh, with uh, interior artwork by Mr. Ben Stenbeck, and uh, colors by the uh, I guess the omnipresent in the Mignola verse, Dave Stewart. Uh, fantastic, fantastic work for for those that don't remember the uh, first series when we talked about it. Um, this is a uh, a one legged, bald headed uh, man named uh, Lord Baltimore. He is a um, he is a um, uh, a vampire hunter, and uh, effectively a vampire killed his wife and kid, and so he's out to get him. And it's his continuing adventures in that regard. Uh, this is uh, his second adventure, uh, and it takes him to a town that uh, has been besieged by the plague. Uh, and um, as a result, there are reports that a convent on the outskirts of town has been laid waste by the plague. But in fact, that's not exactly what's been going on. Uh, although certainly the plague was a part of it, there actually was more nefarious things going on there. And Baltimore makes his way to this convent to uh, try and find the vampire who is responsible for killing his loved ones, but uh, ends up um, getting to this convent and seeing that there's a lot more going on than that. And uh, it is an extremely graphic adult book. 
there are scenes of a pregnant woman getting disemboweled. So be forewarned if you have a queasy stomach, this isn't your scene. Um, there's a uh, homunculus midget witch woman. There is um, uh, fan- Mignola is great at dialogue. Um, you know he he does the same kind of the same kind of interlay interspersing of of world history and politics with the occult that he does in BPRD and Hellboy. He does here. Um, uh, it's just it's fantastic. I, I don't want to give too many specifics away because I highly recommend uh, that you read this. But this is just more in you know if you talk about a guy with a high hit rate. I don't know if there's any many people in the business these days that have a hit rate as good as Mignola. I mean, the dude, whether it's something that he's writing or or something that he's just overseeing, like his characters in the BPRD Hubble universe, he seems to have a level of quality control with his collaborators that is pretty unbelievable. I mean, everything that he does is or has done for him is amazing from this to lobster johnson to the bprd stuff i mean it's it's pretty remarkable i mean i don't know that i've ever read a mignola verse work that i thought was was disappointing um so uh this again this is this is vampires meets sort of christian idolatry meets nazi occultism um you know baltimore is a, a classic anti-hero He's not a guy that you'd like to hang out with. He's not even necessarily a good guy or a nice guy, but he's certainly the um, the righteous one in this particular storyline. You know, he's certainly in the right in doing what he's doing, but he he's not above doing whatever he has to 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 make you know the ends justify the means type of thing. Um, and uh, it was great, man. I, I read it in one sitting. Um, there are some some sick sick bastards in this, and uh, uh, as with any good ongoing narrative the book ends with a, a cliffhanger that makes me die for the soon to be released third series so um i highly highly recommend it baltimore curse bells so mignola is a wizard i don't know how he coaxes the performances out of his uh collaborators but you're right it's it's just astounding uh, we all thought he was crazy when he brought um guy davis into it Mm-hmm. And it's and he has eclipsed uh, almost uh, Mignola's work, almost right, uh, in, in terms of being identified with the property. Uh, it's amazing the 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 how he manages. But all the to, artists he has to work on this are, are all terrific. I mean, you're it's, right, it's, you're right. Yeah. Duncan Fergredo was amazing on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I? Who am I leaving out? Tyler Crooks, um, the new guy on BPRD, is great. Right, right. This guy He's, Ben Stenbeck in this is terrific. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I don't think I've ever Corbin. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think yeah, I don't think I've ever seen uh a a, a bad Hellboy uh universe book at least in terms of visuals. Um some stories are better than others, but they're all of a certain level of quality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I should say too that Christopher Golden who's the co-writer, he he wrote or co-wrote with Mignola a novel about Baltimore first. I believe the novel came out first. And then they decided to turn the novel into a series of of, of graphic stories. So, Marty, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Have you read it yet, Chris? Chris is sleeping. What yes. the hell? Maybe he's refreshing. Oh no, sorry, sorry, I was on mute. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Uh, no, I have not read it yet, but it is uh, it is on the hot list. It's on the double hot list now. I'm actually trying to read uh, the novel. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so oh, I'm going through the novel, and I had read the uh, the first mini, and now want to read the the second. But yeah, the um, uh, the novel's really good, Baltimore. If you, if, I'm sure you've read it. Beautiful presentation. No, I haven't read that. So yeah, I, I have not read the novel. Um, oh, you should. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, oh, I should mention too that th- this is called the Curse Bells because in the uh, in, in the aforementioned convent, there's um there's a, a bell a watch you know a bell tower that hasn't rung in 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 a long long time. And the uh, the villain of this arc is working some black magic, and to the point where if he gets the bell to ring, anyone that hears the bell ring will become his slave. Effectively, mm-hmm. he's trying to raise an army to fight, uh, take over a part of the world. So that's hence the name Curse Bells. Yeah, Jason, the novel's heavily illustrated. Oh yeah, it? it's really yeah. cool. Very dense. It, it's yeah, and you can, pick, you can pick it up for a dime these days. Ooh, I'd, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. You can go to Amazon. I'm, I don't think it's real hard to find. Cool, cool beans. I'm hoping we've all read this, or at least looked at this book recently published. I'm gonna I'm gonna lapse into hyperbole because I think the book really no. war- warrants it. I do. This is a book that that makes all other comics, at least mainstream ones, look into their drawers and realize how inadequate they are in comparison. Have you read Batman Incorporated number two? No. No, not yet. No, I haven't yet. Oh, my God. (laughs) I won't say anything. It's just telling you. still knocking it out of the park. Burnham owns Batman right now. More than Poppy Capullo? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yo, it's a good thing Poppy's not listening to this because he gets. Yeah, I, I love Capullo. Uh, he's way up there on my list of favorites. But Burnham is. He's he's killing it, raping the carcass, and then he's eating it. It's man. Just, you should. I wish you weren't saying this because Burnham does not need his ego boosted anymore. I, I, I know. It, it's, I, you know, after this issue, I will probably. It will take a long time to see Talia in any other uh, light than Burnham's. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It's so. What's well good is that, is that Burnham is so ugly in real life. No, he's not. Know, he's a pretty good looking guy. He's trying to say. Shut up, Vince. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> See, I, I wasn't. I Sorry, wasn't. He's not capable of getting a hot girlfriend. I wasn't getting it, but oh my god! Well, I, I can't really talk about anything because you, you you guys haven't read it, and I do not want to spoil any of this. But magnificent, mm-hmm. mm. tasty beverage, huh? And the guy that wrote it's not bad either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's all right. He's all right. But you know what? If if you're the the uh, visual half of of the two headed comics beast, and you capture this much attention when you're working with Grant Morrison, and 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 you are, it, it's it's disgusting. Um, I mean, here's another guy, Morrison, who has, I don't know if he handpicks his collaborators, but there there has, I don't think there have been that many really ugly bat books under Morrison. Mm. Maybe R.I.P. Well, see, you're which saying I can't really call it ugly. Batman and Robin it, was the hotness until until Philip Tan. Until Philip Tan. Yeah. Oh, I, I kind of like Philip Tan. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I didn't. Not, not, not Tan Hwat. 
Why? I'm not a big Tony Daniel fan. So. Well, I mean, he he's he can hold his own, but he pales in comparison to Burnham and and and. Uh, yeah, he's just of a different different era. Yeah. Cameron Stewart's legit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah. He needs that, to stay off better. That damn digital issue, though. I wish that was never made. That, that makes me issue? the one of the previous Batman Incorporated uh, volume. Oh, oh, okay. Where they huh? they're, they're they're hacking Wayne Corp. Uh, yeah, oh. it's just nasty, nasty issue. Reads good, but the the visuals were just no. I want to be like Telly Savalas in Horror Express and just ah, claw my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, sorry. Rest in All peace, right. Telly. I know. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> Kojak a jacket now. What else we got? We still have a whopping 20 minutes to go. Travels to do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do? Yep. God, how you guys are trying to rush off? You must have hot dates tonight. I'm not trying huh? to rush anywhere. I could Shit. Talk about a bazillion comics. All I know is Dap told me he read like 57 things and he keeps not... Why do you guys he, think... Yeah, but you know... You, <laughs> like three weeks in a row now, you've been like, oh, I guess I'll get to that next week. That's it. <sighs> yeah. But see, when he doesn't like something, he won't talk about it. So maybe some of the things he has on deck, he didn't really care for. Should, mm. I, bring, should I bring it down, man? No, don't bring it down. Keep it you up. You can, can bring it down because my, my In Your Travels, another IDW book is going to bring it up, up, up. <laughs> Me too. I'm doing an IDW book for my in your travels. Really? Nice. We may be yeah. doing the same one. I doubt it. I, I am not doing an IDW book. Uh, I, um, there's a uh, new comic publisher uh, put out some digital books this week, and I read three out of the four that I bought so far. I read Bandit by. Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover. This is uh, what's Monk that called? Band. I didn't. I didn't really hear it. Bandet. B a n d e t t e. Hmm. Because she's a thief. She's like a bandit. Oh, I get it. Bandet. Oh, that's uh-huh. cool. Uh, the what? Okay. We, we uh, <laughs> Coover's art we've seen before. It it looks great here. It's it's love uh, me some Colleen Coover. Nice mix of like mm-hmm. uh, Darwin Cook. The backgrounds kind of look like that. Um, the painted look that uh, Thompson did in uh, *Beasts of Burden*, things like that. It's it. The um, the majority of the Monkey Brain books are ninety nine cents each. They're about twelve, thirteen or so pages. Uh, the um, Bandit is one that I'm definitely going to stick with. Uh, I want to. We, we've been introduced to the main character. She um she likes to talk to herself. She uh she's very peppy, very happy go lucky as she's trying to rob this house at the beginning and, and apparently the uh the person who wasn't supposed to be home was actually home, so she has to escape and then as as she's being chased, um she hits the panic button and a call goes out to I guess her fans and uh and they interject themselves and, and prevent her from being captured. But then there's um there's a bank robbery in progress and the main the the officer in charge um has to call 
Bandette for her assistance, and and that's where the first chapter ends off. But there's a character who um, who we're also introduced to, who receives a phone call. He's an older gentleman, and uh, he is called because the woman on the other end of the phone is looking for a um, a rare coin, and this. Mr. Corvin, who also goes by the name um, Monsieur, he he um, in order his payment for for retrieving this rare coin will be a um, a first edition of the Scarecrow of Oz, which he tells her it's that that really isn't worth the time. But she says no. But this one was actually owned by H.P. Lovecraft, and he wrote Ooh. notes for for Cthulhu in the margins of Get the, the hell out of here. <laughs> so he says, all right, I'm interested. Um Stroke and, book. And actually a uh there's a um in the back of uh Meet Your Creators of each issue when when we uh when they talk about Tobin he uh he has his own um of crafting book coming out I believe next year. What is this? It is, you know, if you look it up while I'm talking, okay. Um, it is. That's okay, because I got a question. Go ahead. Am I being um, forgetful, or should I know the work of uh, Colleen Coover? You should, like, you have, should know have, it. Have, yeah. From what? Uh, she did, um, she's done work with her husband, Paul Tobin. A, um, she's. She's worked. I, mean, I know the name, but what have I read? I talked about her her book, Gingerbread Girl. That was. Yeah. One. Uh, was it like Sunday Funnies? What, what was it? She, yeah, it was. Yeah, she did. Um, uh, did she do some stuff stuff oh, in uh, in uh, the Strange Strange Tales? No, in, in Girl Comics. Oh, she, sure. uh, she's uh, she did the. Adult she did the Hellcat book. I think it, the, the the Hellcat story in that. Uh, let's see, Adult Comics. Geez, I haven't read any of these. Of the uh, Banana Sunday, Gingerbread Girl. She's worked for DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Top Shelf. Paul Tobin, uh, he's... Man, done- I'm familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, Did you read Small Favors, Vince? It's like, that's like Pern comics. It is Pern. It, it, <laughs> it is. It's, uh, it was from Eros. No. That was her first work. It's like Damn lesbian. It. Lesbian. Pern. <laughs> Uh, Tobin is currently establishing background stories for the Angry Birds characters and expanding into the world of prose with work in an upcoming Lovecraft-inspired anthology. I'm there. Uh, so that's that's Bandit. I I definitely recommend that book. The uh, the other one was um, Edison Rex, which. Really good one. It's uh, it's written by Chris Roberson, uh, art by Dennis Culver. This is kind of like what would happen if um, if Luthor won, if Lex Luthor and uh. had a debate, and um, because we're introduced to Edison Rex, criminal genius, uh, but this is the story is is basically the final showdown between Valiant protector of earth who's your superman analog and his arch nemesis edison rex criminal genius so um all of these 12 or so pages were introduced 
to these two characters and why they don't get along. Um, and Rex actually tells Valiant um, basically a um, a virus. He's uh, he's from his home planet, he'll have these. Uh, he's basically been bred to have these these urges. He'll be filled with bloodlust and anger, and he'll he'll want to wipe out the entire planet. And and Rex convinces him of this, and so Valiant walks himself into um, the uh, the contraption that uh, that Edison had built, um, called the Death Booth, and he walks right into the Death Booth, turns it on, and obliterates himself and unfortunately it's cold and and so so now there's, there's no superman and and so rex really can't believe that that his plan worked but it did and um and and his uh his henchwoman's now we can finally conquer the planet you know the people of earth will will you know bow down to you and you'll own it all and he goes we can't because Valiant was right someone has to protect the earth and, and, and that person's going to be me so now it's going to be Edison Rex criminal genius and protector of earth so he's going to pick up the mantle and um, and the last line is that uh, you know how did Valiant make this so easy that's on cool big monster so that's 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 pretty good I'm going to keep with this one too and uh, I also read from uh Forum member and and eleven o'clock comics anthology contributor Nick Brockenshire. We have Amelia Cole and the Unknown World. Uh, now is, is this from Monkey Brain too? From Monkey Brain also. This is this is a full page, a full full length comic. This one's one ninety nine. Uh, Nick uh, Brockenshire is your artist. Uh, Adam P. Knave and DJ Kirkbride are your writers. Uh, this one is, uh, Amelia is pretty much, she travels between two worlds. One's more or less our world, and the other is one where, uh, magic is much more prevalent and, and everybody can do magic. The, the cops, the, just, and, and, and I say the cops because something happens where, um, Amelia is found out, and and the cops come knocking on the door, and, and Amelia's aunt is trying to stop the cops from coming in. So they set up this this uh, shell spell, and and are, are shielding themselves from from the police. And but then you see, you, know, you turn the page, or you swipe the page, and and you see the the cops outside with their wands trying to you know break the door down. And um, we it's right now. As far as I can tell, Amelia's a mystery. We're just we we um her aunt tells her actually you're not from either world and and uh and there there are doorways. There's 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 a door that the portal will get you from, from one world to the other and uh the first issue is a setup where Amelia kinda just uh does something she's battling a persuasion demon but she she forgets that she's actually on our world and uh, and people 
on our world aren't used to magic and, and aren't used to persuasion demons tearing up the streets and uh, she's trying to fix things but at this point that's when the cops show up and, and she there's no turning back and her aunt's trying to um, protect her, her niece and and basically I mean it can never go back to our world um but the cops are after her so she she escapes and and that's and I'm deliberately being vague here because I'm not trying to give anything away the 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 uh Nick's art is fantastic but this is this is a story where I'm going to stick with this just to see where we're going with it it's it's not as um mm-hmm. it 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 really I mean the with um Edison Rex I felt like I got a lot more than than those 12 or so eight. I, it felt to me, I mean, the, 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 there were at least, there were about six panels per page and, and it just, there, there was a lot going on. Even, if, even though it was just a conversation between Rex and Vin, there was, you, you, there was a lot going on there. And, and, uh, Bandette was kind of quick because Coover's art is, is loose and it's just, and, and it really fit the story, especially with the, with the chase scene. Um, so that, kind of move things along. Amelia is completely different than the other two. Uh it's um it's it's more it kind of feels like uh one of the the vertical books that that deal with magic. Not it just it there's um there are things that I think people who are familiar with uh with vertical books they they, they would get a kick out of with Amelia. Everything's all ages. Nothing has, um, there's no heavy violence. There's no, uh, decapitations. No, no one's getting there. No pregnant women are being disemboweled. Everything is just, it's, it's, um, I like where monkey brain is going with this. I have October girl to next that that's by Matthew. Yeah. Done some work for, um, Friday W. Uh, but, um, that one I think is in, is in black and white. The other three that I've read are in color. But but Amelia I think is something that uh, yeah no I would I would definitely give give that one a shot. It, it wasn't the strongest of the three that I've read so far, but but I like where um, where the setup is and and it's the mystery that that we got to the last page. I I want to see how she moves forward after the events in the first issue. Cool. You know what it sounds like to me? What? It sounds like Monkey Brain is blowing the hell up. I well, they're brand new. I mean, that's what I mean. It sounds like they're coming out of the gate like strong. Three, four titles, right? No, uh, th- th- five, maybe. Wow. No. Yeah, because there's 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 the four that I got. There's um, there's Aesop's Ark and. I think there's one other that I didn't. Maybe there's one other I didn't download. But respect yeah, five, maybe six, and they're all um, they're all they're all about a buck each. With, with wow. And there's another one coming out. I think Wanderer or Wander, and and that um, I'm, I'm not sure when that starts. That's cool stuff. Yeah, all, all different. Nothing that I can tell. Like you know. We're not we're not looking for no no unity or or total eclipse or anything. I'm pretty sure they're all going to just be standalone on their own and and just follow whatever story you want. But I, I like what I've read so far. And where where can I get these? You can get them from Comicsology events. 
Oh, yeah, it's, that's the default, right? Comicsology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know yeah, what? They're kind of shaping up to be the. the they're, they're, you know, it seems like they're slowly but surely becoming the, the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, while you're on the subject of digital comics, I was flabbergasted today to learn that uh, the uber prolific James Kachalka, who has amassed probably a a, a page count of forty five hundred. Uh, from his sketchbook diaries, that what they're doing is they're, they're taking huge chunks of these American Elf sketchbook diaries, like 450 plus pages, and releasing them in chunks for a dollar ninety nine. And but, oh, but neat. year, right? Yeah. By year, yeah. They just did 1999, released it. I think this week for a buck ninety nine. It's like 450 some odd pages of of. James Kachalka's daily sketchbook uh, comic that he draws. And, you know, I, I, mean, I love the man stuff, love his comics. That is a bargain and a half. And mm-hmm. uh, they're from, they're from Top Shelf. You know how I, you know, where I first found out about the, uh, the by years of, of American Elf? Because yesterday was the first Wednesday of the month, which means, Double Barrel Number Two came out. Oh right, that's also by Top Shelf and and Kevin Cannon and Xander Cannon, and that is uh, they have a, a little calendar at the beginning of um, of the issue of of Top Shelf events and books coming out, and they announced all the conventions and everything that everybody's going to be at. But yeah, the um, the American Elf books were right at the the top of one of the pages over the next three months. So it's ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand one, right? Yeah, two bucks a pop. Can't beat it. Double Barrel's getting a lot of play, too. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of Comixology, we should mention that uh, our sponsor, DCB Service, if you if you go through them through Comixology and you link it up, if you link your, your Comixology account to your DCBS account, you get 5% uh, uh, discount on any Comixology purchases netted to your DCBS order. Yeah. That's damn cool. They got it all covered. DCBS, DCBService.com. They're our sponsor. And this episode has, has been brought to you by them. <laughs> you know what you can get at DCBS? You can get all 55 number zero Insane. DC issues for 50% off. You can get Fashion Beast number one from Avatar for 50% off. Happy number one image and that's 50% off. And the Meta Baron's Ultimate Collected Edition from Humanoids for 45% off. Whew. In your travels. Do yourself a huge favor. It's another IDW book written by Mr. Steve Niles, illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. Back to the well for Mr. Wrightson. It's Frankenstein, Alive, Alive. Anybody read this? No, not yet. No. Nope. If I had another child, I would want it to look like this book. That's how gorgeous this book is. It's Wrightson. That's all I really have to say, right? But it's shot it's like an artist edition in comic book form because the pages are shot from his uh i mean there's no inking going on it's 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 rights and there is inking going on but it's it's uh you can see a lot of the process in this book um there are washes and gray tones applied by mr rights and it is just amazingly beautiful uh frankenstein uh, the monster of Frankenstein, I always make that mistake, as do many people, right, is uh, currently uh, touring with a circus freak show. 
and and I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But it's um, it's a bit of a departure from the original Frankenstein book in that uh, the approach is a tad bit different, um, but it is no less uh, beautiful. So buy it. And there's really dense back matter. Uh, it will probably take you longer to read the back matter than it will be to consume all the words in the comic proper. But you'll be staring at the art for a long time, so the, your, your, your reading time is going to be skewed. It's just so pretty. <coughs> cool. He's a, he's a devil, that writes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mine, is, mine is all about art, and it's also uh, from oh, IDW. Ah, uh, I pick it up tomorrow. So I cannot wait. It's uh should be waiting on my desk at work and it's uh the uh the Frank Miller David Mazzucchelli artist edition from uh uh from IDW. So I cannot wait. Born again has has Keep never it. looked so good. Yeah, I can't can't wait to to crack it open. Everyone I've talked to and we've got a whole thread on it at the forum right now and it's uh uh everything I've seen about it, everyone that's got it has just said that it's freaking amazing. So the the Daredevil Artist Edition from IDW. If you want to, you know, pluck down the the buck twenty five on it. It's uh, uh, yeah, I think it's one of the one of the all time great stories in comics. So I can't I can't wait to get it. So yeah, nice. Uh, I mentioned Double Barrels. So definitely get that. But uh, my in your travels since. I didn't get to finish it. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. But the first of three issues, Infernal Man Thing, number one, written by Steve Gerber, art by Kevin Nolan. I, um, I'm a few pages into it, and I just I can't stop looking at, at the art. I know people are saying things. They're, they're word balloons, and, and there's stuff going on, but I just... Nolan's colors are just gorgeous and, and um, lettered by Todd Klein it's I'll have more about it next week I just I'm, I'm really Gerber looking forward to it I, I am it's it's well there's it's it's Gerber's last man thing story and, and it's it's you know, I mean when, when uh, Kevin Nolan said he wanted to paint each issue um, or the story and, and the guy can paint like one page a week you really can't can't do a comic book with four pages a month. So um, at least not not back then you couldn't. So uh, it's it's finally finished and and will be coming out. And I am uh, I'm looking forward to finishing the first issue. Nice. I didn't know that it was. Ooh, crackalacka! Mm-hmm. In your travels, check out a comic that is resplendent with creators near and dear to our hearts. Talking about Image Comics Revival Number One, oh. Rural Noir, written by Mr. Tim Seeley, former guest of the show. Drawn by Mr. Mike Norton, former guest of the show or no? I can't remember. Probably buddy, at some point. <laughs> buddy of ours, not sure he's been a guest of the show, but awesome. Letters by Crank, who is uh, Mr. Norton's longtime podcast co-host and buddy. Designed by Sean Dove, another one of the Four Star Studios crew. The uh, cover I have is by Jenny Frizen. Mm-hmm. There's another cover by Craig Blankets Thompson. And uh, colors by Mark Englert. 
who's the one person I don't really know of that group, but either way, it's uh pretty dope. It's basically a pretty simple it's premise. Very dope. Um it's what it's uh it's a look at the zombie genre if people weren't resurrected as mindless brain eating people but actually were just resurrected and seemingly uh uh back to themselves again. And what would that do to people if you all of a sudden saw someone die and they got resurrected that same day and were sort of seemingly untouched and unchanged yeah. and so it's how, a, how would the how would the government react to it yeah, what is yeah, it yeah mm-hmm. yeah how does it affect families what does it do to the to the little town small town life and yep. yeah but it's uh yeah it's it's really good it's, it's really very good. very good yep yeah. and uh i mean you know with that creative team it wasn't going to be bad but uh definitely hooked me in um you know i'm, I'm not always uh i'm not always one for the horror genre i have to sort of it's hit or miss for me and this one definitely uh, has me definitely Jones for the the second issue. So yes. pick it up, fools. Yeah, yeah. Word. That's, that's nice. <laughs> you buy you, you fools. All right. Hey, thanks for being here with us. You know what? We'll be back next week. Like we always tell you, we'll be back. Be here. Or, or we will be. There's no. You have no choice in the matter, right? And it looks like we knock on wood got through the most of our audio issues after from last week. So different port. Apologies, Yay. to Sue suffered through last week. I don't think it was that bad. There was, Dude, it was very, very bad. I, I think you're exaggerating. Did you listen back? Yeah. It happened It happened like three times, and it was all under like three minutes each time. Oof. Three minutes is a long time. It's, it's a long time if you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's real life, though. I mean, these things happen, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> it's real life. Right. That's right. No, yeah. Hey, come back. We'll be waiting for you. Probably usual time. Baby, come to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, America. That's true. That is true. <laughs> and Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was sorry, man. I had to escape. Right. What'd you get? What'd you get him for day? What'd you get him for I'm on birthday? the run, dude. <laughs> Let another good woman go. What's wrong with him? Oh, What's wrong with him? Let's make a list. Uh, he he's gay. I betcha. Gay. I betcha. Not, not that. Well, that's there's not. That's not something to be wrong. No. That's not, <laughs> no. It's not. But when Dude, when you get in trouble with the home. Yeah. <laughs> really. And yeah. I take shit talking about that weird ass fucking country. He's all giddy about. I'm not. I, it's not. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. See you. Bye. <laughs> She's such a great actress, too. Who is? Hey, old front man. Dawson's was the champ. Hey, high five. <laughs> yeah, Dawson's.